Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. is friday look who we have it is the the maiden voyage on sports take for my man tone tone to shields i am rob ellis gunner off today enjoying some time with his family tone welcome welcome in for the full three my friend usually just uh just behind the scenes uh you know doing all the right things pushing the buttons getting the show on and off and uh adding his uh his funny commentary in the private chat but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get the funny commentary Live and in person. What's up, man? Hey, listen, man. I'm doing all right. You know, it's um, it's it's really fun producing for you guys. You guys are truly exciting. Uh, you, D Gun, man, like it's been it's been a hell of a ride, and you guys really make it worthwhile. Again, I still can't get over the fact that you're a very quirky eater. Yes, but nonetheless, one of these days, I want to have to treat you to a nice dinner, oh. and you're gonna to have to eat everything on the plate. But okay. I will make sure. All right, food is not touching. If you're true, yeah, we, we, we well, maybe we'll give me one of those little plates where it's like sectioned off. We'll we'll, we'll make sure that that happens. But exactly, yeah, exactly. We but will I'm, do it. We will do it. Yeah. Do so it. let's get to know Tone. First of all, what's up, everybody in the chat? What's up, James, John, Mister Taz, Twiz, Forest, Keyboard Warrior? What's up, guys? We appreciate you guys. So, give us a little background, Tone. Born and raised uh, Philadelphia. Oh man, born and raised North Philadelphia. Grew up. I want to say. 23rd and Dolphin, 23rd and Diamond, not too far from Temple. Temple's right down the street. Yep. And uh, man, lifelong, lifelong everything fan when it comes to the when it comes to Philadelphia. You know, I'm the uh, the, the 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 quadruple effect, right? Okay. Phillies, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers. You know, you can even throw in the Union. I've been to a Union game as well. It's pretty exciting. So yeah, man, born and raised in Philadelphia, and you know it's. It's so exciting when you get to talk sports in Philly because you really understand the passion. You really you really get a sense, you know, for what this city is all about. And you and it really permeates, you know, through our sports teams, especially teams like the Eagles and the Phillies. You know, those teams, those those teams play with a certain passion. There's a certain Mm -hmm. grit, a certain attitude that you have to have to play in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, you know, even when you live in Philadelphia, you know, they always say if you you know, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Right. Well, in my opinion, if you can make it in Philadelphia, you can make it anywhere, especially when it comes to sports. Especially. Exactly, especially yeah. when it comes to sports. Yeah, we take our sports. Uh, we're very passionate, and, and that's the thing. Yeah. You'll take passion over apathy any day of the week. So. Any day of the week. You know, it's yeah. so funny you say that. You know, with with Philadelphia, there's times where we look at a guy and we know he's not the most talented, mm-hmm. but if he plays with effort, if he plays with passion, if he plays with a certain attitude, if he if his work ethic is top notch, we will, you know, we will die on that hill until. You know, until the birds come home. So, man, again, this is this is going to be an exciting day. Like I said, born and raised in Philly. Now I live in Texas, which is so funny because, you know, I can't. It's, it's, nothing about me is Texas, <laughs> <laughs> especially when you think about the Dallas Cowboys and things like that. Nothing about me is Texas in any way. But I'm here. It's exciting. Nice weather. Yeah. And man, I'm looking forward to the next chapter. But as you guys can see, the grind never stops. I'm I'm, I'm Philly everything. 
Good, man. Good. All right. Well, we're happy to have you, man. Yeah. Gunner's on uh, on vacation with the family and he'll be back uh, next week. So got a big show in store for you. Scott Lauber from the Philadelphia Inquirer is going to be joining us at 1230. Philly's back at it. And they made a couple of moves today. There's some injuries to update you on. A couple of guys called up. One guy who looks like he's got a lot of potential is uh, is going to be uh, up here with the big league club. So we'll talk about that. You know, we've been through that sort of slow time right now, the last couple of days, where there wasn't really any. Well, there were sports. There was summer league. There was Wimbledon. There was, you know, some some uh, the All Star game. Yeah, yeah, we had some stuff, some soccer union and whatnot. But you know, we're, we're back with the with the Phillies playing tonight. Uh, four game set, doubleheader tomorrow. Uh, what's up, Fitness Rebel? What's up, Double O Seven? What is up, James? Who else did I miss? I think I got everybody. Thomas or Tomas. <laughs> uh, see all you guys. So, uh, yeah, back at it. Eagles 11 days away from camp. So a couple of the things we're going to do with the Eagles today is we are going to do the vaunted win loss. Yes. The W L we'll see what number of wins and losses Tone and I get to, uh, we'll see what the toughest stretches are, the most favorable stretches, the underrated, difficult games, etc. And then we'll dive into what position group has the most pressure on it because there are, there are certain spots you look at, man, that, that are, the, a lot, lot going to be counted on uh, for, for certain guys. Uh, I would say just a little preview for me. Uh, it's on the defensive side. I will just say that it is uh, certainly for me on the defense. Likewise, most okay. of it is on the defensive side. That's the funny right. thing about it. You know, this offense, we know everything about it. You know, it's it's very – we only had, what, two two major losses on the offense, Samalo and Sanders. Right. So I think those guys are – I don't want to say replaceable, but I think the, the offense can manage – uh, those losses, but the defensive side, more questions than answers. And look, I'm an Eagles fan, but the chat, the chat knows me, you know, through my content and through other things I've done all around, all around the grapevine. And they know I don't pull any punches and I'm very passionate. And on top of that, I'm very realistic. So this is going to be, this is going to be a good show. You guys make sure you guys buckle up. Yep. Let's go and hit the like button. If you could tell a friend, let's hit the like button and we will get it cranked out. What's up JM. Uh, yeah. So uh, we'll do that. Like I said, and, and Eagles 11 days away from camp. Phillies released their 2024 schedule. This is weird to me, Tone. And and maybe maybe we, we always think in, in terms of NFL with everything, and maybe that's on us a little bit, but the NFL's brilliant at marketing itself and making Absolutely. everything a show, right? Everything's a show. Think about the schedule release, how hyped that thing is and how it's a full-blown couple of days of breaking everything down and we're getting leaks. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be the chiefs and the lions. And we're all oh, on Thursday night. What's Sunday night? You know, we're all going crazy when we hear that MLB, just like out of nowhere yesterday, it's like, boop, here you go. Here's 2024. See you boys. Take care. It, it's very weird. Like if I'm baseball and I know it's 162 where it's like, are we really going to get hyped for every single game? I get that. But I would make more of certain things. Like the Phillies are playing the Mets in London. Kind of like, eh, ho oh, hum. Phillies playing the Mets in London. Like, I, if I'm, I think it's some of it is on the individual teams too to do this. But it's weird the approach that baseball takes compared to football with this. Yeah, I think the biggest thing you pointed out was the the disparity in games, right? You know, the NFL there's 17 games, so uh, the supply and demand factor is definitely, you know, definitely plays a key role in this. But I think it really boils down to the way the MLB markets its product. And, you know, there was a point in time before my time, but there was a point in time where baseball was king. Mm -hmm. Nothing could beat baseball. But then the NFL found a way to market itself in a way that just can't seem to be replicated by other leagues. The NBA 
still markets itself better than the MLB, but the NBA still struggles to really compete with the NFL from a marketing standpoint, from an overall outreach standpoint, just from revenue, things of that nature. I think the MLB truly needs to find a way, and they've tried, right? They've, you know, they, they've tried to mic guys up, you know, they've tried to speed the game up. They've tried unique ways to try to get the game or make the game more entertaining for the viewer. And yeah. I respect I respect the efforts, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's so many games. I think there has to be, like you said, there has to be a creative way that they talk about the schedule. You know, there has to be some sort of release. There has to be some sort of um, maybe they highlight um, most anticipated matchups, try to get the fans involved. Um, I don't know, maybe try to get a representative from each team involved to try to reveal the schedule. Um, I don't know. I'm spitballing here, Rob. Well, t- but- take it take it one step further. Okay, right. so you, you have a superstar who's doing something we've never seen before, like Shohei Otani. Now I get, you know, there's, I know he's not American and I know there, there's a language barrier. He doesn't really speak the language. I, I get that. And I know that's a, a piece of this thing, but if you had a guy, let's say playing both ways in the NFL. Okay. He was crushing it as a receiver and he was crushing it as, as defensive back. Just for example, think about the hype that would be surrounding him. And, and not that Otani doesn't get hype. I'm not saying that, but baseball, in my opinion, could do an even better job with this guy because we have never seen in our lifetime somebody doing what this guy's doing. And I, that's where I think it falls on baseball to be better. No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I can't just, I can't just give them the out of, Oh, he's an international player. Right. Because you look at the NBA, they find a way to market yep. their international guys. The best yep. players in the NBA right now yep. are international guys. The number one overall pick was an international guy. Right. Yep. So yep. maybe there is a language barrier there. Right. But regardless the MLB has to try it harder. They have to become more creative. Mm-hmm. So to me, that begs the question. And I'm not an ageist by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Right. But do they need more youth in those rooms, making those decisions in those marketing rooms? Trying I think to- it's a fair question. I do, man. I think it's a very fair question to ask. I don't know. I don't know that they're too stuck in their old ways where they, where they, they, when they used to be the, the sport, you know, I don't know. I really, it's a great question, man. Think about, and JM brings it up. Think about Dion. The way, and you know, the way Dion was, was pumped up and he, you know, he played a little receiver. We know that in defensive back. I mean, it was, Dion was everywhere. Bo Jackson was everywhere, you know, back in the day, you know, uh, as, as, you know, a multi-sport guy. Yeah. He wasn't great, but even Michael Jordan, when he decided to play, you know, baseball, it was still a big deal. Right. But I think it was a big deal from the NBA perspective rather than, I mean, there were some MLB purists that probably felt like he was tainting the game. But, yep. you know, it just seemed like, again, the NBA, the NFL, they find a way to prop up their guys no matter what it is. And the MLB, yep. they just rely too much on the purity of their sport to carry them. And I think in this day and age, with the attention span of you know people right now, you have to find a way to make your game, to make your product a bit more sexy. No, I agree. I agree. All right. Let's go to our Eagles question of the day. We like to hit you Hit you with one right around this time of day. I thought this is fun. So I, the question is, who was the most entertaining eagle of your lifetime? The key word here is entertaining. It's I not struggle that. with this, Rob. I struggle with this a little bit. Well, here's the thing. It's it, it's. I think we automatically go to who was the greatest or who's the best. And you know, B Doc. I'm not talking about the greatest player. I'm saying the one that you just sat back, put your feet up, and it was like this dude is pure entertainment for me. All right, give me give me your lifetime. Give me your lifetime. Now, full transparency, I was born in 1994. I'm 28 years old. Mm-hmm. So I really only 
had and I'm 29, band- so we're right on the same. <laughs> I actually only had the bandwidth to really keep up with football from the McNabb era up until okay, now. Okay, that's fine. It, that's your so, lifestyle. That's your so, lifetime. That's so what that's I'm so about. that's probably yeah. what you're going to hear from yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Um. But again, that's why we have you here, right? You know, the the, the trusty veteran, right? Oh, reliable. Oh, reliable. Yes. So for me, um, and again, you mentioned something really interesting, right? You mentioned B dog, right? And how it's not just about being the best. Some guys actually check both boxes. I agree. And I'm not, I wasn't saying B-Dog wasn't entertaining. Right, I was just saying, right. I think when we hear great, we or, or the best, we think like guys like Dawkins. That's the only reason I brought him up. But yeah. Right, right. So in lieu of that, Brian Dawkins is my, and I, I really didn't rank these guys, but. No, Brian, we didn't, I didn't rank him. Yeah. It's not okay, about cool, rank. Cool, it's, it's just whoever your guy is. Like who is it. your guy as, you know. Yeah, Brian Dawkins, he was the first person that came to my mind. Okay. Because he is by far my favorite Philadelphia Eagle to this day. Yep. Um, there's gonna there's gonna take a lot. It's gonna take a lot for someone to really trump that for me. Yeah. Um, but Brian Dawkins, man, the energy he brought to the game, uh, the story surrounding his legacy, you know, you just hear so much surrounding um his story mm-hmm. and his career and the way he approached uh the sport. Yep. And then on top of that, you know, one thing that stands out to me was how physical he was he mm-hmm. wanted to make sure above all else win or lose you're gonna fill me oh yeah you're gonna fill me like one story always comes to mind tikio spikes i think he was on um nfl films something like that and i think it was like football life with brian dawkins yep and uh tikio spikes was I, I think they were playing the uh was it the packers okay i can't remember who it was yep. and you know tikio spikes was talking to b-dog and b-dog was like hey spikes i'm gonna take his soul <laughs> Spikes was like, hold on, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said, no, I'm going to take his soul. He said, they threw that ball up, uh-huh. and I saw B-Dark hit him, Yeah. and all I heard was, hallelujah. He said, I need some of what B-Dark is on. I need some of that. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, Brian Dawkins, he, he just came with – But like, that's was, the thing. He, he came with everything. Everything right. you wanted in, the, in a player, he had it. Do you remember the play where he blitzed – and timed it so perfectly right at the snap of the ball and he leaped and he just tackled the quarterback yes, all yes, in one motion. Yes. Like how many times you, maybe Troy Palomaro a couple times, but I have never seen a defensive back do something like that. And I'm that's getting, I'm talking about him. Honestly, bro. I'm getting I know. talking about him. And that's why he fits into both categories. He was great, but he was also, and it's not often, you know, like you would say a safety. Normally you're going offensive side, you know, for the most part, you're going offensive side of the ball, not a safety, but Dawkins is that guy. I'll tell you for me, for my, you know, my, my this is really, I think what happens a lot of times too, is it registers with you when you're younger, but Randall Cunningham for me now, again, wasn't the greatest Eagles quarterback or anything like that. But if you're talking about pure entertainment, okay. Cannon for an arm, easily throw the ball 75, 80 yards. Cannon the running style. Like we 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 had never seen at that point a guy in, in terms of scrambling, you know a lot of what you're seeing now. Randall was doing in the '80s. You know, guys incorporate some of the things that he was doing now. Um, ability to make guys miss. He was like long, lanky, and it didn't look like sometimes he was moving fast, but he was flying. That stride, Str- fluid strides. You know, um, and and just the ability to make something out of nothing. You know, the classic Buffalo play where Bruce Smith, you know, he's in his own end zone and Bruce Smith coming from behind. I still don't know how he saw him. He ducks him, goes against his body and hits Fred Barnett 80, you know, like 50 something yards in the air off his back foot. He had a punt one time in New York for 91 yards. He was a great punter in college. He was a, he was like a second team All-American punter at UNLV. Just an athlete. 
and the yeah, he makes a play on a Monday night. Carl Banks chops his legs out from under him. He puts his hand down on the ground to not go down. Gets back up, slings a sidearm shot to Jimmy Giles in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. It's one of the sickest plays you'll ever see. This mm-hmm. dude, if you just want to sit down and YouTube Randall Cunningham highlights, on, you know, you're bored on a, on a rainy afternoon, you will be highly entertained. Trust me when I tell you that. Absolutely, man. You know, again, a little a little before my time, but I've seen I've seen the highlights of Randall Cunningham, man. You can make an argument that if he actually had the right coaching and played in today's NFL, he could arguably be a top five quarterback easily. You know, some people I've even heard our guy Dan Silio say if Cunningham played in today's era with the right coaching, yeah. he'd be today's Patrick Mahomes. That's how electric, that's how dynamic he was. Yeah, he was that great. By the way, we have a request on. Do you see your the request? <laughs> Some guy, some guy named Derek Gunn wants your autograph. Well, well, listen, tell D Gunn. How much tell, are you charging? How much? Well, listen, I'm charging a slab of ribs. I'm charging some brisket. Okay. I'm charging some wings. Yeah, I'm charging wings some wings. You too, right. Rob. You know what I'm saying? I'm down. You know, you know, Everything you just named. Get I'm some in. ribs. I'm well, in. Some, um, some, some of his wife. Maybe some, some of his pork. Wife's, uh, Trish's uh famous uh cookies oh, and brownies. Trish's dessert. Trish's dessert. I, we need yes. we need Trish's desserts. Okay. And we need your barbecue. You That's provide it. that. You, you provide that to us. You I'll the, sign you... your forehead, Egon. <laughs> Five head. Yes. You will, you will sign. <laughs> uh, what's up, Tyler? What's up, Steve? Yeah, that that is good. No, but you're right. Your point with uh with Randall is is true. Like, so what happened? One, and this is a shame. So he had a guy named Doug Scoval who was his quarterbacks coach. Who they were like thick as thieves, man. They you know they they just had that relationship. And he died suddenly of a heart attack in the middle of the season. Randall was really never the same after that, after he died. So the, and, and also the problem was Buddy Ryan, who, who was really his first coach, never paid enough attention to the offensive side. Like he, he would literally say to Randall, like in game, dude, just make me like five, six plays. If you make me five, six plays, the defense will do enough. We'll win the game. There just wasn't enough of a plan. And he didn't, he didn't have a good line in my wow. opinion. Uh, you know, the weapons were, were, were solid. He had, he had Keith Jackson was a really good tight end. He had, he had Fred Barnett and Calvin Williams who were nice players. Don't get me wrong, but they weren't like elite elite. He had for a cup of coffee, Mike quick. And Mike was at the end of his career. He had Chris Carter. Chris had some off the field issues at the time. Yeah. Unfortunately, his, his best years in Minnesota, no doubt. So w- what was really interesting was it looked like Randall's career was over. And then he stepped away for a year. He didn't play football for an entire year. Comes back in 98 with the Vikings. And he has Brian Billick, who went on to coach the, the Ravens. But he had Brian Billick as his coordinator, offensive coordinator. And I'm telling you, it was the best year of his career. He wow. was phenomenal. And it's a, it's a shame. They get to an NFC championship game. The Vikings do. He's with Chris Carter. He's reunited with Chris Carter. Uh, and he has, I think he has Moss. He has all those guys. Jake Reed, if you remember him. But, they, yeah, they were loaded. So they get to an NFC championship game. They're set up to kick the game-winning field goal. Gary Anderson, who had been money all year, blows the field goal. They lose. They don't get there. And that was the closest Randall ever got. Oh, yeah. That's how it all played out. It was it was really tough. But you're right. Like, even back then. So he breaks in in, like, 84, 85. There's still the stigma about the black quarterback, right? right there's still right. the stigma, you know, about the running quarterback. And, you know, can you ultimately win with these guys and all that? And you know what? To Buddy's credit, Buddy wasn't hearing any of that stuff. So I, I, I give a lot of props as far as that went. But right. uh, he didn't do enough building around him and you're right and and dan's right if he had played now in this day and age 
He's the first overall pick coming out of college. He is he cultivated. Like if he had a guy like Andy Reid, I can only imagine what it would have turned into. I swear to God, but it, it would have been awesome. So that's a good one. And that's the interesting thing about the Eagles is you could throw a couple of defensive guys. Like you, you went with B doc. You could have gone Reggie white as dominant yeah. as Reggie white was, you know, back in the day, you could have, even if you flip the other side, like shady was a really entertaining. Yep, he's on my list as well. Yep. Right. Shady, highly entertaining. Michael Vick. I mean, it wasn't oh super God. long. I would but never think forget. About, yeah, I'm, think I'm, about I'm some of the things about. that he did, man. I would think never about forget. It. I would never yeah. forget Monday Night Football. Oh, Washington. Washington. Donovan McNabb's first year in Washington. It was yep. the first. It was the. It was the first. I believe it, it was his return to the link, right? Oh, that game. Okay, I'm thinking and, the one there at, at, at Washington. The, okay, the first play of the game. Play action. Yep. Michael Vick just flicks it off the wrist. Mm-hmm. 70, 80 yards to D-Jack to the house. And it was a it, from that point forward, it was a it was a it was a wash. Yeah. Like that that play is a microcosm of how that game panned out. Michael Vick was just such an electric player. And I so wish that obviously he went through his situation, but I so wish Michael Vick would have had Andy Reid for a little bit longer because he even says it himself. You know, that was the he he never really knew how to play the position. Like a lot of people think you just go back there, hike the ball, you throw the ball, you mm-hmm. do your thing, you make plays. No, it's a it's a lot deeper than just making a player or two, right? It's understanding the position, footwork, understanding your role in the offense, allowing you allowing your playmakers to do to do their job for you. You know what I mean? Like Michael yeah. Vick, I, I again an, an, another historical moment in Michael Vick's um eagle history. The miracle in the Meadowlands part two. Insane. I watched that game. I remember exactly where I was. Yep. I was at I was at Lucky Strikes downtown at a uh, at a gathering for my mom's job. My mom used to work for Dr. Brezzo's Cavity Busters. They used to always rent out big places for company events, and they rented out Lucky Strikes the entire great second, place, third floor. great place. Yeah, yeah, great place. Yep. They, they they rented it out, and I forget how old I was, but I was sitting there and I'm drinking a Shirley Temple, not alcoholic, of course. I'm a kid, <laughs> and I'm watching this game beginning to end. I'm like. What what is going on? We're just mm-hmm. we just looked like abysmal, yep. and all of a sudden the second half comes, and you just see Michael Vick just put this team on his back, yep. making play after play after play after play, mm-hmm. and then you see this goes into my next player that's exciting, Djax. Yes, you see Djax have, in my opinion, the greatest moment of his career. Uh huh. Walk off punt return. Walk off punt return. He fumbled it at first. Yeah, oh yeah. I remember the the sound. Yeah, that 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 reverber that reverberated in, yep. in in the bowling alley. Everyone yeah. stopped bowling. Yeah, yeah everyone yeah. stopped. Everyone's at the bar watching it. Yeah, and he fumbled. Everyone's like, "Oh!" <laughs> yep. Then all of a sudden, he just takes it. Well, and and I, I've, I've, I've never seen anything like that. So so storybook, so magical in my life. Yeah, I'm the same. First of all, I'm the same. I, I've told this story before, so forgive me if you guys have heard this. But I was doing the post game show on WIP with Ike Reese. Ike and I are in uh, a place called Baby Blues Barbecue in in West Philly. I think it's still there. I think it's, it's in University City. It's near it's near Penn and Drexel, like not far from there. Baby Blues, I've been there before. They're good. Okay, actually. good real good, good place. Real good place. I, I wasn't trying to just give them a free plug, but that's where we were. So anyway, they were just opening. Okay, so it was a soft launch, grand opening, but we're doing the remote there. Okay. That's where we're doing the post game show. So we're in this like back area that wasn't even fully constructed yet. Like it was just kind of like makeshift, right? And if you, if you remember, like you said, 
the game stunk. You're like this. We, Mike and I are preparing for like one of those bludgeoning shows where we're just going to kill the kill the, the Eagles because the, the effort eulogy. stunk. Yeah, you're losing. Blah blah blah. And we're sitting there, and then all of a sudden, Vic starts making plays. Like Brent Selleck starts, you know, whatever. And and all of a sudden, here Jeremy they come. Macklin, Macklin, yeah. everybody, right? And then it concludes with that. When when Deshaun backed his way into the ends, which was sketchy to begin with, because yeah, I, I was nervous. Like, I was like, just go in, in. just go get in. in, just go oh, in. Oh my god! So <laughs> you, you know, as soon as he got in and they got the signal, Ike and I took off from the back of the place into the restaurant, into the bar area, and people were like, "What the hell are these two maniacs doing?" We're out in the front of the place, like going crazy, oh god, man. man. It was nuts. That's one of the all-time, in my opinion, all-time great regular season games I have ever seen. Yeah, yeah, there are certain moments in guys' career that just immortalizes them in Philadelphia Eagles history, you know, and, you know, the metaphor I always use is, you know, guys like Nick Foles, D-Jax, you know, the plays they made. Yeah. They'll they'll never have to pay for another cheese stick in Philly again. No. Uh -uh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just nope. certain guys that when they're in town. Yep. Listen. We roll out the we roll out the red carpet, well, the green carpet, so to speak. Yes, you know? yes. So it's 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 the Philadelphia Eagles franchise, the organization. It's it started out rocky, yeah, and then they had success, and then it got rocky again, and then Dick Vermeil brought us back to life. Yep. yep. And then Andy Reid comes. You know, the Philadelphia Eagles, especially in the twenty first century, they've they've had so much success. And again, this goes back to what we said earlier in the show about that passion. That burns, that flame that burns yep. in the Eagle fan spirit. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm sorry. I, I don't think there's a fan base out there, NFL-wise. I don't think there's a fan base out there that bleeds and and just breathes like their team the way the Philadelphia Eagles do. Maybe the Steelers, maybe Bills Mafia. Um, you know, it's just I think about the Cowboys, right? And they have a beautiful history. The reality is they have a good history. Yeah. But it just seems like to me, yeah. they're like the Lakers of the NFL. Like they, it's 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 cool to be a, a Cowboys fan. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, yeah. it's nothing worse when you come across those people who are Cowboys fans, Lakers fans, and Yankees fans. That's yeah. a, I can't stand those kind of people because like because now because now I know who you are. Yep. You know, so it's they just, like Duke. Yeah, for Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, they're like yeah, they're like Duke in Kansas. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's it's just you know the the Philadelphia Eagles history. You know our lore. You know yeah. our you know, our, our folk tales, you know, I'm using, I'm using, I'm using all the, you know, all the nouns, right. It's just, there's something about this city. I agree with you, man. Something about this team that just brings the best and the worst out of you. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Let's, uh, let's hit it. Uh, good stuff there. Good stuff. Let's hit it. We're going to come back. Scott Lauber from the Inquirer is going to join us. We'll talk a little Phillies coming up at one o'clock. We're back with the Eagles. We're going to do win loss and which, which position group has the most pressure to succeed. So we'll hit all those things when we come back. You don't want to go anywhere. Uh, get some Phillies updates on injuries as well when we return. He is Tone DeShields. He's in for D-Gun. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, who's hungry? I am right here. All right, how about a little Bravo pizza of Havertown? Yes, thrilled that they are a part of the channel. Thrilled that they are a part of Sports Take. I've been going there since I was a kid. They're finally owned since 1985. You got Alex and the crew. I'll be seeing them a little bit later as I, I stop in there for dinner. Open seven days a week. Uh, here's a great thing. Food is fresh every single day. They fly the flour in from Italy, in fact. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They have the you name it. They will make it specialized pizza your way. But that's not all that Bravo Pizza of Havertown 
has. They have fresh pasta. They have sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. They're also committed to the community. They have fundraisers and charities, uh, for some fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown for specials and promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call, 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Here's a little sampling of what you can get at Bravo Pizza. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh.
GLES Eagles. All right, we are back. He is Tone to Shields in for Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis hanging out with you on this Friday. All right, let's set our sights on the Phillies and who better to speak to uh, regarding that club than the man who covers them for the Philadelphia Inquirer. He's also the major league baseball reporter as well. And you can follow him on Twitter at Scott Lauber as the Phillies begin a big four game set with the Padres back from the all-star break. What's up, Scott? How are you? Hey guys, how you doing? Scott, good. Let's start with a couple of newsy items here. Uh, I know, and I know you just had a little write up on him as well, but uh, so two things on the injury front, Uh, Pache elbow irritation, He's down, and Josh Harrison's down as well, and that's a carryover from before the All-Star break. Um, so in their in their stead, they call up my guy Drew Ellis uh, and also Johan Rojas. So, But let's start with Rojas for people who may not be familiar with him. Scott, give us a little background on him. Yeah, that's this is an interesting one because it's not um, – it doesn't sound like it's going to be anything like a long-term thing, and I think the plan – most uh, with Rojas in the past was if they were going to call him up, it was going to be to play and to play a lot. Um, doesn't sound like that's going to be the scenario here, but the fact is he's a right-handed hitter. They need a right-handed hitter to replace Pache, which is why it's not Jake Cave. It's not Cody Clemens. Those guys hit from the left side. Rojas is a really, really good defensive center fielder, plays a major league caliber center field. And that was true a year ago when he was still in, in a ball, uh, he um, his offense has come a long way in the last calendar year. He's had a really nice year in double A. So they're going to give him an opportunity here for as long as it is, whether it's a week or 10 days. Um, it's a 10 day IL stint for Pache, but it's backdated a few days. I think he's eligible to come off next Friday. You know, typically these things take a little longer than the, uh, than the minimum amount of time. So, but again, it doesn't sound like it's going to be something that's long-term. So I don't know that Rojas is here to stay. But uh, it is going to be interesting to watch um, because uh, he, he does he does he can go and go and get the ball in, in center field and he can run and he can do some things and I think they'll try to use him even when he doesn't start they'll try to use him as a defensive replacement late so um, yeah it's going to be interesting to get a, a look at, at him here at at the uh, at the major league level a little bit earlier than maybe we thought. Hey uh, Scott, thank you for uh, coming on the show. I appreciate you for coming on yeah. once again. Um, you know, this team is coming off of the All-Star break. Uh, Cassianos, you know, he had a pretty good uh, he had a pretty good All-Star game. Uh, Kimbrough as well. And, you know, you mentioned that they brought up uh, Johan. And he's known for his defense more than anything. He is having a pretty good year at the plate, but, but he's specifically known for his defense. That begs the question, right? Coming out of this All-Star break, what kind of impact do you see him providing? And also on top of that, where do you see this team going from this point forward? Because we are entering the vital part of the season. Yeah. I mean, it's trade season now, 18 days until the trade deadline. And so we're going to hear all kinds of things. They're going to be linked to everybody. Uh, they are definitely a buyer. Uh, so they're going to add and not subtract as they should. Uh, this is very analogous to last year. Last year, they were in really the same position they're in this year. And look, they added in multiple places. They added, Sosa to the bench and Marsh to center field. And they got better in the bullpen with Robertson. And then they got the starter they wanted with Syndergaard. So I could see them uh, taking a similar tack, trying to improve themselves in multiple areas. I think the biggest need is they need another right-handed hitter and uh, preferably somebody with a little bit of pop, a little bit of power. 
look, they really have not replaced Reese Hoskins' bat, right? Not since spring training. They uh, certainly from the right side. And so um, as long as Harper can play first, and that's going to be a storyline here coming out of the break, how close is he to doing it? Um, he was pretty close at the, uh, at the uh, you know, before the break. So how close is he to doing it? Can he do it? Uh, and if he can, that opens up um, the DH spot for Kyle Schwarber, who's been in left field. They can, um, they can go and add a piece. I had a story that ran today uh, on the Inquirer's website about some right-handed hitters that they could target. Uh, I think um, they've, they've already inquired about some of those guys. So I think that's kind of where they're going. Now, in the short term, right now, like this weekend and next week, I think one of the things they can do to maybe optimize their um, their their lineup a little bit is prioritize defense, right? Rojas is a defender. Uh, much the way Pache profiles as a defense-first center fielder, you know, so maybe they can do some things. They've already experimented with Marsh in left field and Pache in center. I could see that alignment occasionally uh, with Marsh in left field and Rojas in center. So that's one of the things they can do in the short term, but they're still looking for a right-handed bat who can make an impact sort of the middle toward the bottom of the order, a guy who can hit sixth or seventh, Adam Duvall, Hunter Renfro. These are some guys who could be out there as rental pieces that they could pick up at the deadline and maybe do some things with. Let's stay on that, Scott, because those are, I think, very reasonable names, and I'd love to see Duvall. But, you know, we're hearing some crazy stuff. We're hearing Soto. We're hearing Otani. We're hearing Goldschmidt, Arenado. Would they be in play for for these kind of guys? Do they have enough to get them? Would they be willing to to you know you, if you're making an Otani trade? I, I would hope it's not just a rental or you know Soto's up after next year. Like how many guys can you pay three hundred, four hundred million? Yeah, yeah, uh, no, all val- very good questions and all reasons to uh, to say like how realistic is any of this. So this is the time of year where teams start to float concepts with one another. And I think when you're talking about a Juan Soto, you're not talking about now. You're talking about a year from now. You're talking about down the road. And the San Diego Padres have not had a good first half, but they are uh, far from what I'd call like a, like a, like a seller or like mm-hmm. a team that's going to stage a fire sale here. So I don't think he's going anywhere now. And, you know, they would have to certainly – go in a completely different direction than they've gone in for the last few years to decide to move him even, even in the off season. Right. I mean, this is a team that's just loaded up on big name after big name after big name from Soto to Bogarts. Tatis is there. Uh, That's a loaded team. So they would have to change course fairly dramatically. I think to trade Juan Soto. Um, I think that story in the New York post was referencing his free agency at the end of next season and some of the links, the connections there, whether it's Kevin Long or, you know, he played with Harper for a year, though they didn't win the World Series together. Harper was already gone. Um, there's So there are some reasonable connections to draw there to say, well, could the Phillies attract Juan Soto when he becomes a free agent? And that would be a question of money and another huge contract and the things you just said. How much would they want to add? The more, the more pressing one is the Cardinals because the Cardinals are going to sell at the trade deadline, their president of baseball operations, John Mosellac said during the all-star break that they were going to make trades. They were going to move people, but they were going to do it with an eye on 2024. This is not going to be a tear it down rebuild type of situation. The Cardinals, I think have, have not had a losing season since 2007. 
They've had one losing season since 1999. They don't do rebuilds. And so if you're the Cardinals, what are you going to do? You're going to trade expiring contracts. So Jordan Montgomery, probably gone. Jack Flaherty, probably gone. Two pitchers who could really help a team. And the Phillies are looking for pitching as well. So, I mean, maybe that, you know, those are possibilities. Who knows? Jordan Hicks is a hard-throwing reliever, probably gone. These are names that I would expect them to move. When he gets to Goldschmidt and Arenado, I think, look, they're both controlled beyond this year. I think Goldschmidt has one more year and Arenado has two or three. They both have no trade clauses that that they would have to agree to waive. Lots of obstacles in the way from that standpoint. But also, if you're the Cardinals and you're already on record as saying, we're looking ahead to contend in 2024, why are you going to trade either of those guys? So I think, look, we could be surprised. Things could happen. They could get an offer for one of those guys that they simply can't resist. Maybe they find a spot that one of those guys would like to go to. Goldschmidt, probably more realistic than Arenado, given that it's one more year versus multiples. Um, but again, I think if they have any desire to contend in 2024 in a winnable division, um, you know, you're going to build around those guys, not tear it down. I think trading them would be a tear down for the Cardinals. Scott, you've you've covered this game for a long time, right? And you know we've we've discussed money, we've discussed money spent, um, we've discussed trades and what they need and what they can do to improve this roster. One can argue that they've spent a lot of money to make this roster as competitive as it can possibly be to pretty much run with anybody. We've seen this team at its best this year. We've seen this team at its worst, right? So I guess my question for you is: Is there any team in Philly's past that has underachieved more than this 2023 team? Um, Oh, I'm sure that there is. I mean, look, I think 2019, you know, they had they came off the big winter with Harper and Real Muto and Segura and all the players that they added in that winter. I mean, that was the 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 crazy money winter, the stupid money winter. Right. And that team didn't even make the playoffs. So I don't I, I just think, look, I think this year has followed much the same script as last year, probably for different reasons. I do think there is something to a World Series hangover or a World Series uh, after year after effect that does take a toll on teams. Hopefully they're, you know, hopefully they're past that now. And, you know, and and the second half is where they take off a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I think it's the ebbs and flows of a baseball season. And I keep coming back to this. Like, are they one of the six best teams in the National League? I think they are. So I'd be stunned if they don't make the playoffs. And I think that that would qualify as a major disappointment, but you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I think it's too early to begin to talk about whether they've under or overachieved until, Mm -hmm. until it's, until it's all said and done. Scott, best estimation here. Could it be tonight? Could it be this series? Could it be the following series? We see Harper at first. Uh, I don't think it's tonight. I don't think it's this weekend. Maybe it's next week at some point. Um, I didn't get the sense before the break that he was going to come back, you know, and, and be ready to go from day one. But I, I know this, it's getting much, much closer. Mm-hmm. He took full infield practice a couple of weeks ago, last week in Tampa, he was throwing to bases. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's coming quickly and he has made us um, kind of eat our words in the past when we say, Oh, it's going to be longer than that. And he comes back sooner. So I do, th- I do think it's going to be before the trade deadline. I think that they'll know, what it looks like uh, with Bryce Harper at first base before they have to uh, make some, some decisions leading up to August the 1st about what they're going to do. So I, do, I wouldn't be surprised if it's sometime next week, certainly no later than the week after that, that mm-hmm. I think we'll see him out there. And then the question becomes, 
what's it going to look like? How good is it going to be? And how often can he do it? Because I don't think it's going to be every single day, but I do think it can be the majority of the time. And uh, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Scott, you know, there's been a, just been a lot of debate throughout this season about uh, the, the lineup and the bullpen and how it's, how it's being utilized and obviously the starting pitching and, all, and, and, and things like that. You know, so I have to ask you about Rob Thompson because it seems like he's a guy who's kind of flown under the radar as of late, in, in my humble opinion. Um, what's been your evaluation of Rob Thompson as a manager, um, his first full season as being the manager for the Phillies? And, um, you know, again, what's been your evaluation of him, how he's handled the lineup, how he's handled the pitching rotations, the bullpen, things of that nature? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing that comes to mind for him is consistent. You know, that's the word that comes to mind. He's been consistent really from the day he took over for Joe Girardi. Um, consistent in his lineups, consistent in his um, in his uh, demeanor, consistent in his in the mood he sets in the tone he sets. Um, I think he has communicated well with players. Now, is he going to do things that? make you scratch your head, whether it's something to do with lineup construction or an in-game move here or there. Of course, he's a manager and they all do that. Um, a criticism I've had of him in the past has been um, the righty lefty thing, right? Like um, I would be, I would be turning loose uh, certainly Bryson Stott and he has for the most part played Bryson Stott every day, but there have been days where he'll rest Stott against the lefty and you're like, why uh, Stott can hit lefties and he's proven that. And, you know, I think Marsh got a little bit of a run against lefties, then started to struggle. So he made, you know, Thompson made some changes there. But I, again, I still think the verdict on that is not in yet. I think you need to see Marsh against lefties more than you have before you can conclude one way or another whether he can play every day. So um, sometimes he is a bit of a, of, of a, he adheres a little bit too much to the righty lefty thing. That's just a criticism I've had, but I don't think it's really hurt them. Uh, I think that it's been more positive than negative. I think the tone he sets uh, is really the biggest difference. And I talked about it a lot last year. We talked about it a lot throughout the course of the offseason. Um, just kind of the even, steady, you know, uh, doesn't make too big of a deal about anything. And that's kind of – I think it rubs off on a lot of players. And it has, it has uh, an effect on a lot of young players in particular. Um, you know, I can tell you stories about, you know, when he – he wanted to move Alec Bohm up to third in the lineup. And so he goes to him on the team plane and he says, Hey, would you be scared if I batted you third? And Bohm's like, what are you talking about? And they have a laugh about it. And it was like a way of diffusing uh, potentially not, not, um, not tense, but like, you know, a situation where Icebreaker. he didn't want to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He didn't want to make a big deal out of batting the guy third. And so he made a joke about it and Bohm laughed and it wasn't a big deal. And, and Bohm was able to bat third and do well in that spot for a little while. So, I think little things like that add up, and, and Thompson seems to get that. Guys, yeah, if I could quickly follow up, you know, Rob Thompson doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. Right. He, he seems very even kill, very loose. He doesn't allow things to get too hot, uh, you know, in the dugout, right? But this team, they've come off as, again, this is just my observation. You can correct me if I'm wrong, please. Um, they've come off as a team that's been very inconsistent and very undisciplined. Now, can that be attributed to Rob Thompson's approach to him being laid back and not so stiff with his guys? Or do you think this is strictly these guys are just going through a, a rough patch right now? Yeah. I always laugh when I hear, you know, people talk about baseball managers and they're like, you know, a team, 
usually this happens when a team's not going well and you get, you know, they get asked all the time, like, Hey, have you had a meeting? Have you given a speech? Have you overturned a table? Have you, you know, is this, is this, <laughs> you know, have you gone right. crazy? Have you, and it's like, I get it. I understand it. And maybe that does work for certain managers, right? Like we've seen over the years, you know, Lou Pinello was a fiery guy and Tommy Lasorda was a fiery guy. And so certainly that, you know, Billy Martin was a fiery guy. These are all guys, by the way, who managed a long time ago when I think managing and coaching in general in sports was a lot different than it is today. Um, but yeah, of course, we've seen that guy. But for the most part, baseball, you know, like if they play every day for six months, then they go and they go to spring training before that for two months. If you're if you're um, turning over card tables and giving speeches and screaming and yelling every time a team goes into a rut, it's it's going to be you're going to not only are they going to tune you out after a while, but you're just going to go insane because, you know, you just, it's every single day. Like it's not, I, I get it. And maybe some of the other sports where they play less frequently and the streaks are, you know, uh, 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 a streak in a uh, uh, losing streak in baseball is like, like half a football game. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I get it in some of the other sports where maybe it's a little bit more emotional. I just, I think in baseball that the, the nature of the game and the sport lends itself to, staying as steady and as even keeled as possible. Now, if you're talking about like they make some mistakes on the bases, yes, they do. And part of that is that they try to be aggressive on the bases and they try to do some things and make things happen. And I think they tolerate some, um, they tolerate some uh, degree of, uh, of negative that gets associated with that. But at the same time, I think that it works for them in a lot of times too. So I, I, I kind of think that just the inconsistency, yeah, they're, they're not as consistent as you'd like them to be. You don't want them to start 22 and 29 or 25 and 32, whatever this year was. Um, but ultimately, I, I think the even-keeled approach works better in baseball. Look, Joe Girardi had a lot of things that he did well as a manager, but Joe Girardi was also pretty tightly wound. And he didn't fly off the handle and hold crazy meetings and whatnot, but – Joe Girardi you used it. to be, you felt yeah, it. you felt it in the clubhouse. And it, they certainly were feeling that last year. And when Rob Thompson came in, I had a lot of players tell me not right away, but later on, like, boy, you know, it felt like, it felt like just this grip was lifted off the room a little bit. And we could breathe a little bit. Right. And really the young players felt it more than anything. So I, I kind of, I understand where that comes from and fans want people to go crazy when things don't go well, but in baseball, more often than not, the even-keeled approach tends to net itself out. That's the Philadelphia in me. Sorry about that. You get it? Yeah, there no, you go. That's, no, just, no. that's just the Philly in me. <laughs> no, I hear it. I heard it when I worked in Boston too. Everybody says the same. John Farrell was too calm, mm -hmm. and it was like you know, um, and and as I said too at the top, I think that the 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 fire and brimstone also worked better. Maybe when we were kids, right? And we were yeah. younger watching the game because players were different, athletes were different in general, and. And that was a tactic that I think uh, was a lot more effective back then than it is now. Now they just they'll tune you out. So Scott, let's look at it. Twenty three and nine since June second, second best mark in baseball. You know, even though they lost those last two in Miami, they're coming. You know, coming into the second half now, playing very good baseball. What are your expectations? I mean, right now they're a half game back of that third wild card spot. They have teams like Miami in front of them, uh, the Arizona, San Francisco, et cetera. Do you a do you see them being a playoff team and b can they get I'm, I'm I'm discounting the division obviously I don't think Atlanta falls apart I don't see that so I'm asking about the wild card could they be the one seed? 
Uh, I think so. I think mm-hmm. so. I think that it's possible. Um, there's not a whole lot of gap. What is it, three games right now between yep. them and the Marlins? And um, and they're a half a game out of the third spot. So it's really bunched together. And um, I, I think so. I think they're a playoff team. And I think anything less than making the playoffs would have to be viewed as a disappointment. I think that uh, not only are they good enough to be a playoff team, but, you know, the Marlins, to their credit, had a really great first half. They won a lot of one-run games. Is that sustainable? The Giants uh, probably overachieved vis-a-vis what we thought they would do in the first half, and, and can they sustain it? Um, so there are going to be some teams that maybe there's a little bit of regression. Maybe there's not. Maybe some of those teams are for real and have the staying power to stay in it. I still think the Phillies are one of the best six teams in the National League, and if they don't uh, you know, win a wild-card spot, especially coming off of last year and the run that they had, um, you know, that would certainly be that would certainly be a disappointment. It would certainly be an underachievement. Now, how do they do once they get in? You know, last year should, goes to show you, right? You know, who knows? Getting in is um, more than half the battle, oh, I yeah. think. You get in and anything can happen. Um, but uh, and, and would you like them to get in and to clinch before game 160? Of course you would, because you'd like them to be able to set up their pitching a little bit. And if they have some bumps and bruises at that point and get healthy. So you don't want to have it go down to the last weekend of the season if you can help it. But I do think that they're a playoff team, and I do think that, they can, that they're in that wild card mix, whether it's the top wild card or the third one. Yeah, last one for me, Scott. You know, I'm thinking about this uh, the starting pitching rotation, right? Nola, Wheeler, Taiwan Walker, Ranger Suarez. Uh, Taiwan figured it out, right? He simplified things. Ranger Suarez, he came out guns blazing. Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, those two guys seem to be the odd men out when it comes to just having some – stretch of consistency, right? Coming out of this all-star break, what do you want to see from Aaron Nolan and Zach Wheeler um, when it comes to just how they approach their time on the map? I think Wheeler has been more good than bad overall. I mean, it probably hasn't been as consistent as he wants it to be. as right. Or what we're used to, he, yeah. As what we're used to, you know. Um, so I know he didn't have the first half he wanted to have, but I think – I think he's on the right track, right? Like I feel more often than not, you feel like they got a chance every time he pitches. Nola, the extremes have been too much, right? So like he'll go out and he'll deal the way he did on July 4th against Zach Eflin in Tampa. And then he goes out the day before the All-Star break and struggles against the Marlins. There have been too many home runs. There's been too little consistency um, from start to start. You know, now the thing about Nola is Nola is the most durable pitcher in baseball, right? He's made more starts than anybody since 2018. He's pitched more innings, I think, than anybody since 2018. You could set your watch by it. Every fifth day, he's going to start. And there's there's a lot to be said for that because um, not enough pitchers are as reliable uh, or, you or you know, you know, take the ball every fifth day. But you also need more quality to go with that quantity. And I think that that's really what uh, Nola needs to do in the second half. It's just more quality starts to go with the quantity of starts that he's going to make. You know, mark him down for his 33 starts because he's going to make 33, 34 starts and he's going to lead the league in innings or come very close to it. Um, And that's all great. And, you know, a manager loves that, that he can, you know, count on that guy um, every fifth day. But he's got to be more Aaron Nola, right? So I think that starts with just, you know, um, better location, better, cons- more consistent command. He's walked a few more guys yeah. than he normally does. He's given up way more home runs than he normally does. So to me, it all goes back to location and command. 
because he's also he doesn't throw ninety eight. He's not going to blow it by you. He's not going to overpower you. He's got to pitch, and so I need to see him pitch a little bit more with a little bit more effectiveness. He has a lot riding on it. They have a lot riding on it. It's a big second half for Aaron Nola. Scott, last one for me. Um, what do you think they're prioritizing? Do you think for, I'm talking about trade deadline? Do you think it's left field? Do you think it's starting pitcher? I mean, you can make a case for a bullpen arm with. Alvarado's twice on the IL. Sir Anthony hasn't really been right all year. Um, if they had to prioritize one, which would it be, do you think? So it probably changes depending on what the, the day and what happens. Now, I think if we were talking about this um, a week or so ago, I think probably the priority was the right-handed bat. Uh, I don't know if the Alvarado injury – on top of the Sir Anthony Dominguez injury, which we should be getting closer to him getting back. I don't know whether that makes the bullpen more of a priority. I I just think that they're going to be nimble um, because think about last year and, you know, I talk about last year a lot, but it really feels like because of the position that they're in the trajectory of their season last year is very much uh, 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 relevant to what's going on this year. And then as they hit the trade deadline last year, they were telling teams, starting pitching, starting pitching, starting pitching. That's our priority. And they were not going to play for the Luis Castillos or the Frankie Montases at the top of the trade market. They were more interested in the back-end starter. Um, Guys like uh, Tyler Maley was out there last year. And I'm trying to remember who some of those other guys were, those other names, Mm -hmm. in addition to Noah Syndergaard. Um, That was their priority. And then the pitching market was such that the return, the the, the, – the ask on some of those back end pitchers was so great that they began in the days before the deadline to pivot. So a couple of days before they got Sosa to help their bench. And then on deadline day, they made the Marsh trade early and they made the Robertson trade early. And it wasn't until, you know, five forty-five before the six o'clock deadline that they had a deal for Syndergaard that they could live with. And they, they were able to get the pitcher that they were looking for all along. So I think that they're going to look on multiple fronts, but, I tend to believe that if they had to rank them out right now, as we sit here today, it's probably still right-handed hitter and then some combination of pitching help, whether that's a back-end starter uh, or whether that's bullpen help, you can help your your pitching staff in multiple ways, right? So could they add another big back-end reliever arm and then shorten games on the days where they don't have a reliable fifth guy and Christopher Sanchez, good for him, has been really pretty good in that spot. Maybe he can keep it going. Maybe he, maybe he won't. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think the bat right now has to be the priority. They're like ninth in the league in runs. They're like eighth in the league in home runs. Uh, they could really use another right-handed bat. As I said, you know, they're still looking for their Hoskins replacement this year from the mm-hmm. right side. So I, I kind of think that that's where their, their priority lies. But again, if, if Alvarado, if that injury lingers, if Dominguez is out longer than they think, um, it could change in a hurry. All right, Scott, as always, man, very informative. We appreciate it. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Lauber. He is the Phillies MLB reporter for the Inquirer. You can follow him on there as well. He's got a piece up right now on uh, on Johan Rojas. Scott, listen, man, thank you. Appreciate it as thank always. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate your time. Uh, have fun tonight down there. Sure thing, guys, anytime. You got it. Take care. That is Scott Lauber. All right, let's get a timeout, Tone, and let's come back. Let's turn our sights to the birds. We will go through this schedule. We'll do a little win-loss, and we'll look at what position group has the most pressure on it. Don't go anywhere. He is Tone to Shields in 4D Gun. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you right now about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. Yes, 
knowing who to trust with your finances can be a scary proposition. I'm right there in the front of the line because it took me a long time to find the right person. Uh, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business. It's another it's just another resource that Jim can help you with. And, and Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, man, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with them, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call, 610-996-4751, 610-996-4751. You could also email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray, dot Jim at principal.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Back, that man is toned to shields. Uh, he first hour down, man. How, how we doing? You all right, <laughs> in for D gun. Oh, you po- a cardinal sin. Look what tone did. He's muted. He is God, muted. no. Oh, listen, all the heat that you give Gunner 
for always being mute. And he's been good lately in his defense. Oh you did God. it, man. You did it. Oh, my God. He will be you know hearing what? about this, I guarantee listen, it. Someone hey, will... hey, listen, listen. Here, get, cut me a little bit of slack. I'm all... I'm I'm not just hosting. I'm producing at the same time. Cut cut me just a little bit of slack. I'll cut it. I'll cut it. But Derek won't cut you any slack. I can promise you. That. Oh my God! I hope he didn't catch this. Oh, you're gonna hear this one. If I he's really watching, hope he didn't catch you this. You are in trouble, my friend. Oh okay. my goodness. All right, all right. But what I said was, I'm loving it. It's tremendous. I'm enjoying myself right now. Scott was great as well, providing so much insight on the Phillies, man. You know, I, I was telling you off air. Yeah, you know when it comes to the teams I follow, it's Eagles first, Sixers then Phillies. Right. You know, so right. I handled that a lot better than you I thought did I would. Good, man, you did real so, good. I love it. So yeah, I appreciate you for you know throwing the oop and allowing me to lay it up a little bit. Of course, great job, great job. Thankfully. All right, so let let's set our sights on the birds here, right? And you know, we get to this point where it's eleven days out, and you're you know you're itching. They haven't played competitive football in in what's it been it's five months now since the uh since the super bowl six months somewhere in that cover. range crazy right so um as we're getting close here i, I was last night I'm, I'm i'm looking at the schedule and i was going through certain parts of it you know we've, we've done this uh from time to time but i figured you know what be a fun day for us to kind of dig in get your opinion on where things stand uh, and at the end of this thing, we'll, we'll tally it all up and we'll see where we both are, uh, with the wins and the losses. So let, let's start with this tone. And before we get to each game and all that, I tell me where you fall on this. I think this new England game is more trouble than people are making it out to be. Um, yeah, like, I don't think they're great by any stretch, but it's the home season opener for them at their place. They are honoring Brady, and I get it. Brady's not walking through that tunnel and playing for them, but it's going to be emotional and Belichick with time to prepare. Like, I think this, I, I think it's a tough game that the Eagles win in in almost an escape fashion more than just they handle them. So, how do you fall? Yeah. Where do you fall? Yeah, I kind of fall in that same vein. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I really compare it to that Detroit, to that Detroit game last year. Um, I think the Patriots are going to be a little bit better than what we expect. Uh, the reality is they're very well coached. Let's not get it twisted here. Bill Belichick is still yep. the, the seven-time Super Bowl champion. I yep. assume right, seven, seven, right? I, I lost count after five. I know. <laughs> so I'd like to lose count. If exactly, right? I would love to lose count in Philadelphia. But yeah. nonetheless, I think Eagles fans, you know, it's, it's nothing wrong with being excited about your team. There's nothing wrong with understanding that we are coming off of a Super, Super Bowl berth. Jalen Hurts just got paid. You know, this offense still is talented. But there's a lot of questions on the defensive side of the ball that have to be answered. And again, Bill Belichick is one of those guys who knows how to make you, I don't want to say play your worst version of football, but he knows yeah. how to limit you to your weaknesses rather than your strengths. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be curious to see how Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson handle a guy that's so esteemed like a, a Brian, a Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am too. That and you're right. It's going to be a nice little early test here for the new coordinators, you know, to to uh-huh. see what Johnson decide what they have in store for these guys. You know, look, the thing is, as much as we talk about Belichick's got an entire offseason to prepare, well, well, so do the Eagles. You know, it's not like the Eagles are all of a sudden, oh, well, we're playing the Patriots. They know too. Um, so that's good. But I am I'm also fascinated too, whether it was the Patriots or anybody else, to watch what new wrinkles are going to be unleashed. You know, to, to see what little tweaks he puts on the offense with Jalen, to see what little tweaks the side. If, if, if we, you know, we see some tendencies that he likes to do something a little bit more 
than, than Jonathan Gannon liked to do. So that's the other part that's really cool about this. We, even though it's a very similar team, especially on offense, you got, you know, two new guys calling the shots here on offense and defense that were, you know, we haven't seen in those roles at least. So I'm excited about that also. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not one of those people who thinks that the offense is going to have this hard time adjusting to the new coordinator. Brian Johnson has been there for the Shane Steichen, you know, uh, conversations, you know, he, he's been there the year prior to that. So it's not like Brian Johnson was some new hire. He was elevated. He's very familiar with what makes Jalen Hurts ticks. Um, he's very familiar with the way this offense has been ran. I, I, I highly doubt he's going to totally pivot far, far away from what the Philadelphia Eagles have already been doing. But like you said, it'll be really interesting to see what wrinkles he provides. But I would love to see – I would love to see Jalen Hurts incorporate the running backs in the passing games a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That way you can kind of take some pressure off of his legs. Again, I don't want to change his game. No. So I, you know, I don't want people to think I, I want to change his game. But I believe in order for him to take that next step as a quarterback, I believe that it takes more. See, I, I've always been of the mindset of, you know, it's harder to exercise with strength than it is to just unleash everything you have. Right. I agree. So it's going to be really interesting to see. And also remember this, the Eagles led the league in big plays last year, Yep. which is plays over 20, which are plays 20 plus yards or more. They led the league in big plays. Right. But. What I want to see from this offense now, I want to see them methodically work their way down the field, nickel and dime, five yards there, eight yards there, 10 yards there, seven yards there, just methodically. And they've shown that they're capable, but this team was predicated on big plays last year. And you saw in that Super Bowl, the Chiefs, you saw, you saw, you, you saw the, the parody in the way those teams played. The Chiefs were very dink and dunk, work yeah. their way down the field methodically, right? Pick you apart. The Eagles, they were very much big play oriented in that bowl. So, it's just going to be really interesting to see Jalen Hurts mature as a quarterback and begin to just take what the defense gives him more and more and just methodically work his way down the field. Well, you want to have diversity. You want to have the ability to be able to do all those right. different things because yeah. here's the good thing about the methodical drives. And is- hey, remember, all games have a complexion. All no games, you know, all, all games have their own identity. So every game is not just going to be a gun show. You have yeah. To be- you got to know how to win those games that are a, a little ugly, and you got to dink and dunk and just get those four yards there, six yards there. Yeah, no, I agree. Look, and and here's the thing: the best thing about the methodical approach is when you're playing stud offenses and stud quarterbacks, you keep them off the field. You know, you'd love to be able to do that against. Uh, you know, Miami's going to have a good offense. I think the Jets are going to have a good offense. Uh, Minnesota potentially, certainly the Chiefs, Buffalo. You know, San Francisco, depending on how the quarterback situation looks, Dallas, you know, you want to be able to keep those teams on, let, let, let Dak sit on the sideline, man. You know, that to me is going to be one of the keys. You touched on something earlier. I don't think you bring DeAndre Swift in and not utilize him in some way, shape or form in the passing game, whether that's the screen game, whether that's wheel routes, you know, something out of the backfield, whatever. I mean, they're, I think they're going to increase the throws to the backs this year because simply you, you can't ignore that talent. And Kenneth, Kenneth Gainwell is a very good pass catcher as well coming out of the backfield. Look at his numbers in college. He was, he was excellent at that. So I think you need to utilize both of those guys in that capacity. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be really interesting to see how Rashad Penny's used. It's going to be real interesting to see how DeAndre Swift's used, especially as far as the rotation goes. And I think they're, and I think those first few games, you're going to see them trying to sample each one of those guys to figure out who really flows with what we're trying to do. Because again, even though we know what this offense was in 2022, as your season begins to progress, 
you're going to start to lean more so on what you're doing very well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this team, you know, acclimates to kind of being found out, right? You know, the, the Eagles aren't going to surprise anybody anymore. You feel what I'm saying? Like yeah. the the uh, Jalen Hurts isn't going to surprise anyone anymore. So it's going to be really interesting to see the new wrinkle, the new the new complexion that this defense can take. Mm-hmm. No question. All right, so let's look at it. Uh, let's go through this thing. They open it up week one, 425 kickoff. That's September 10th, uh, if you were wondering, at New England. That is the opener. Eagles, last I checked, let me look again, uh, were five-point favorites. Let me see if that line has moved in any way, shape, or form. It has not. Okay, so the Eagles are sitting there at five uh, to open it up. I, I think we sort of both you know, mentioned this. So I, I'm looking at a, a, a close one, a sweat for sure. I think it could be a field goal kind of game. I do think the Eagles ultimately prevail because I think their offense is just better than the Patriots' defense. But I think this could look a lot like last year's opener where, you know, the Eagles aren't quite on their A game yet and the other team takes advantage of that, but they're still good enough to survive. I see a survival and a tight one. What do you say? Uh, I'm on a, I'm on the same page as you. I think this is one of those games that's going to be a little ugly. It's not going to be as flashy as the, as the Eagles fans would like it to be. They're going to be on the road. Um, they're going to get they're going up against um, Brian um, Bill. I keep saying Brian Belichick. Uh, Bill Belichick. For some reason, bro, uh, Brian Billick is in my mind. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Bill, Bill Belichick. Uh, they're going to have to really worry about that kind of guy. Um. It's going to be real interesting to see what Mac Jones is coming off of that bad year he had the previous year. Yeah. Like I don't Bill think. O'Brien. Yeah. Um. And he, yeah, exactly. Has Bill O'Brien this season. Um. I personally don't think the Patriots did him any favors last year. I think. He regressed by way of them, not by way of himself. I think uh, Mac Jones is a fairly decent quarterback, and I feel like he would have took an even further step if he didn't have a defensive coordinator trying to play offensive coordinator last year. Yeah. Um, and also on top of that, they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. They have Devontae Parker still that they just extended. They have Hunter Henry at tight end and Mike Gusecki. Um, They're very talented at tight end. Um, their defense is what we're really going to have to worry about because they have guys that know how to get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And those uh, Bill Belichick defenses – they make you see one thing, but a whole other thing happens. So I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I think it's going to be ugly, um, but I think the Eagles pull it out in the end. Okay, so we have we have two one and O's uh, so far. That's what yep. we have so far. All right, uh, next game. Yeah, the, the challenge here is, uh, you know, certainly a good Vikings offense. There's no doubt the Eagles, to their credit, did a great job last year on Justin Jefferson. Just an awesome job. Uh, but – you know, and, and this applies to both teams, but it's a quick turnaround. You know, you'll be playing four days later on, on a Thursday night. Uh, that is the the uh, home opener uh, at the link against the Vikings. The Vikings team that added in the offseason Brian Flores as their defensive coordinator. They also let some people go. Uh, some longtime staples on that defensive side walked. But you still have Kirk Cousins who puts up good regular season numbers. We know that. They still have Justin Jefferson. They still have some weapons. K.J. Osborne, who's underrated. They have some nice players on that side of the ball. Uh, I think this is a game that the Eagles win. Um, I don't know that this is as close as the as the previous week. In fact, I don't think it is as close. I think they – I'm not going to say win handily because I don't think it's a handily kind of win. Right. But I think the Eagles win this one in, in, in uh, by about a touchdown. What do you think? Yeah, I think they win this game around, like you said, a touchdown, 10 points as well. Um, they're going to be with they're going to be without Dalvin Cook. That's a big loss. Yep. Whether, you know whether they want to accept it or not, that means the guy Alexander Madison is going to have to um, um, take his game to another level. Uh, Kirk Cousins, we know he is in prime time, right? So it's kind of like we're kind of riding on that uh, hysteria as well. 
But also, I think they're I think they're better at wide receiver this go around. They they they, they moved on from Adam Thielen. He was aging. He hasn't really been a factor in quite some time. But then they then they drafted rookie Jordan Addison. You pair him with Justin Jefferson. It's going to be really interesting to see how that thing pans out. They have KJ Osborne and they have TJ Hawkinson, who I believe he actually made my tight end list that we're going to talk about later on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're talented on offense. Their issue has always been the defensive side, and I think that's just where the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, take advantage of them. So I think the Philadelphia Eagles win that game. Yeah, I, I think it's it's one of those things where it, it's going to be a nice test to see how far along the Eagles' the defense, defense is, right? is. You know, absolutely in a big way because last year they were prepared for them and they they were they were able to come out on top. All right, two and zero at this point. Um, th- this part's nice. You get a big break. You get eleven days off from the Thursday night game to a Monday night game. So they're going to be very well rested for that game down there in Tampa. Uh, I don't think Tampa's good at all. No. I mean, the thing they have, they do have good wide receivers. I mean, when you're rolling out Mike Evans uh, and uh, and Godwin, you, you get some pretty good wideouts. So that is something that, that you're going to have to be there. You have to contest with, but I'm not a big believer in Baker Mayfield. I think ultimately he makes the kind of mistakes that kill you in a big spot. So I think that's going to end up, you know, being the downfall. He'll make a couple of mistakes, a couple turnovers here and there, and the Eagles get out of there pretty comfortably. Uh, I think it's three and zero at that point. Yeah. Now here's the thing: you mentioned those wide receivers, right? Mike yeah. Evans, Chris Godwin. My only fear, by the way, I do have them winning this game. By the way, let me make that clear: I have them yeah. winning this game. But my only fear in that game, they have all the time off, and I don't want them to go in sleeping on Baker Mayfield because. He's the kind of quarterback that can be terrible for many weeks in a row. And all of a sudden he has that game that you don't know how he had it, but he kind of has that Ryan Fitzpatrick vibe to him. You know, he's just, he's not that good, but he has these moments that for some reason he's just on, he's just hot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you, then you actually give him reliable and tried and true weapons like a Mike Evans, like a Chris Godwin. And then on top of that, I understand the Buccaneers had a lot of injuries on that old line last year. They're going to be healthy this year. So Baker Mayfield, with time, with those weapons, you have to you ha- you you can't just sleep on it. And they have they have some guys, they have some talent on defense. Devin White, Levante David. Yeah, they do. You they know, still do. They're yep. still a talented team. If yeah. you put if you put any other quarterback in that situation, we have a we have a fight on our hands. So yeah, I, I, I don't love their line either. I, I don't love their O line. I think that's a problem for Baker. And, and I, I don't, I don't think Todd, I like Todd Bowles as a D coordinator. I don't like him as a head coach. Yeah. And and, and that's the thing too, right? Todd, Bowles, uh, the, the, the Todd Bowles effect, that's yeah. going to be something to keep, uh, keep our eye on as well. So Absolutely. again, um, I got the Philadelphia Eagles winning that game um, by more than 10 points. All right. Now this is the game I, I, I wanted before we dive into the game at home against Washington on that Sunday, this is like, beware. For, for, you know, it, it seems to me like it's always, uh, you know, the struggle bus here at home against Washington for whatever reason. You know, and last year was the same way. We'll have a better idea of what Sam, Pal, uh, Sam Howell is at that point, how much of an effect the enemy's having, you know, uh, as the offensive coordinator. So that'll be good. You know, you get a, a three-week sample size uh, of, of what, they, what they are and how they're doing things, which will help, you know, Sean decide prepare for this thing. Um but this always, you know, an NFC East game, it always seems like it is it's trouble uh for the Eagles. So I'll let you go first on this one, Tone. What do you what do you think here? Uh, I have us winning that game. I actually have us winning that game pretty 
pretty decidedly. Um, but I do worry about the Darius Slay Terry McLaurin matchup. I always do. Yep. Because Terry McLaurin, I don't know what it is. Darius Slay just can't guard that man. <laughs> but you know what? You he know? does that to a lot of people. He's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's not the that's not the takeaway from Terry, right? Yeah. They call him Scary Terry for a reason. Yeah. You know, Terry McLaurin, I think he's I think he's probably the second or third best receiver in the division. Yep. So it's going to be real interesting to see how the thing pans out. They are – see, that's the thing. They're talented. That's the thing about Tampa and Washington. They're talented on both sides of the ball, but the quarterback position is the, is the biggest question. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's going to come down to. And they're, they're going to have Chase Young back. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Deron Payne, just got paid. Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat. You know, they drafted a corner uh, who, who actually played Devontae Smith a lot in college, and he already – he already made note that he's looking forward to that matchup against Devontae twice a year. So um, I think the Eagles win that game. Um, but again, it's a division game. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be exciting. But I think the Philadelphia Eagles win that game for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's a win too. I, I don't think it's an easy game. It's The NFC East games are rarely easy. Um, and and again, the history here at home in that game, it's, it's, it's generally tough. But I think I, I, one of the issues that Washington has is I, I don't love their linebackers or their secondary. I love their defensive line. Right. And I think the Eagles offensive line will hold up well enough against Washington's defensive line and allow Jalen to do his thing and hurt them in the air. I think that this could be a game where the Eagles could hurt them in the air. All right, let's uh, let's move on to uh, game number five. This game's at the Rams. Now they get Stafford back. They have Cooper cup back. Uh, they're returning some guys. But they've also lost a lot. Um, I don't think they're going to be a very good team in particular. I think they're a third-place team in their division uh, behind the San Francisco 49ers and the, and the Seattle Seahawks. I think they're the three-spot Cardinals or the four-spot. So uh, that said, it's not easy to go East Coast, West Coast. That's for sure. We know that much. Um, and it sounds like we're getting crazy here. But I'll take the Eagles to win the game. I'm with you on that. I think this is a game where the Philadelphia Eagles simply violate their offensive line. Just violate, <laughs> abuse, ab- abuse them. The, the Rams' okay. offensive line just flat out stinks. Yep. And I think this is one of those games where you see you might see Hassan Reddick with a two-set game. You might see you might see Nolan Smith maybe get his uh, his first or second sack of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? You might see Jalen Carter go off and have his breakout game against his offensive line. Like I, I just I, I just feel like this this game can literally be decided simply in the trenches. And I think the Eagles, all they have to do is just play their version of football and they will mutilate Matthew Stafford and he'll be forced to retire this year. Uh, yeah, look, pressure on him. And the thing with him is he's had so many injuries, one hit, and it, uh, you know, who knows what that turns into with him. Yeah. So I think that's, I think it's a good spot for the Eagles. This is where I have the first loss, Stone. Um, Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. You know, first of all, it's very hard to go 6-0 and in, the, in this league. And I know that what, yeah. what kind of start the Eagles got off to last year. I get it. But – um, I do think the Jets are going to be good, and I know there's a lot of preseason hype about them, and probably people are going a little too crazy. However, I think they're going to be good. This is a home game for them. Eagles are coming off a West Coast uh, game. I, I, I This sets up to me as kind of a tough spot, this 425 week six. So I, I'll I'll take the Jets here in a close one, in a frustrating kind of game. But I think Aaron Rodgers generally up – he didn't light them on fire last year. But he's generally had a lot of success against the Eagles over his career, and I think that comes back. Yeah, I think the Jets win this game in a shootout. Uh, I think this is going to be one of those games where, um, as good as, bo- as as good as both defenses are, I think this is going to be a game where the offense, whoever, whoever has the ball last, will win this game. 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he's he's trying to redeem himself from that season last year. From a numbers perspective, he didn't have a bad year, but from a team perspective, they weren't they weren't really successful. But I also think there were so many things going on surrounding that team outside of football that um, that 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 lended to that bad season. But Aaron Rodgers, Brees Hall, Michael Carter, who I think is a, a pretty good running back, uh, Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Corey Davis, they're talented, right? It's going to be interesting to see how that offensive line holds up because Makai Becton can't stay healthy. Uh, Dwayne Brown, can he stay healthy as well? That defense is something I'm paying very close attention to. Quentin Williams, uh, Quincy Williams, you know, know, the brothers, uh, Quentin and Quincy. It's it's, it's Sauce Gardner, right? You know, so this game, I believe, is going to be a shootout, but I think the Philadelphia Eagles lose this game on a field goal. Okay, uh, a tight one. Yep. All right. Uh, Miami here. I, I find this game really hard to handicap for a couple of reasons, Tony. Mm. I, I don't know that Tua is still going to be the quarterback at that point. Mm-hmm. When you have the recurring head injuries that he he has, I, I, like I, I was listening to somebody the other day who said he's bulked up. That's all it's, well and good. It, it's not about the muscle. No, you can't bulk up your brain. Like, Jesus. Like, come yeah, on, man. Like, I if he's stronger, could he maybe, you know, elude a tackler? I don't know. Maybe the problem is it's not just the hit to the head. It's the slam to the ground that that seems to get him all the time. And I look, man, I I want the guy, he should do what he wants to do. But I, I, as, as a bystander, I worry about him and it doesn't look good to me. I'm, I'm going to make this prediction on the game based on the fact that I, I don't think he's going to be playing that by then. Okay. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he is playing. I hope he has a full year. Cause I don't like to see anybody get hurt, especially head injuries. I think the Eagles win the game. If two is playing, I think this thing's a battle on Sunday night. Like I think this is a back and forth pretty wild game because I think the Eagles secondary is going to have their hands full with Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle and that crew. Um, I do think losing Gusecki hurts him a little bit, but yeah. uh, I think the Eagles win a close one. Uh, win the game if two is not playing. If he does, if he does play, I think it's close. I think either way, it's an Eagles win. See, I think this is where we differ for the first time um, today. I think, yeah. I well, for one, I approach this as if he's going to be fully healthy. Okay. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to legislate the injuries and predict. So, um, I just operated off the assumption that everyone's going to be as healthy as they possibly can be. And I think about Tua, and we saw what that offense looks like when he's healthy and when he and when he's cooking on all cylinders. And I. I'll just be – I'll be frank about this, Eagles fans. I just don't think Darius Slay nor James Bradbury can guard uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I just don't don't believe it. Those guys are quite literally in their primes, Jalen Waddle entering his prime, and then you have Darius Slay who's on the back nine. You have James Bradbury who's not known for his speed. The Miami Dolphins, from a receiver perspective, they are the antithesis of what the Philadelphia Eagles are at the corner position. Um. I just, I just don't think, I, I just don't think the DBs can hold up against those two guys. I think it's really, I think it's that simple. But I do think this game is a shootout. I think the Philadelphia Eagles get in two, two shootouts back to back, and they lose on a field goal back to back weeks. Okay, all right, two, two straight losses for Tone. Interesting. Um, all right, let's move on. There, I got to win. You got a loss at Washington. This is the loss. This is a loss for the Eagles. I have a bad feeling about this one. Little look ahead coming off a really tough Miami game and looking ahead to Dallas. I think they get tripped up here. Dangerous spot here in Washington. 
This is an L that we probably don't have. A lot of people don't have on the schedule, but I do. I think they lose this game. I actually think this uh, they they win this game. So we actually swap week. Uh, what is that? Week eight, week nine. We yep. well, I'm sorry, week seven, week eight. We swap those. Um, I think they lose back to back Jets to Miami. Then they then they redeem themselves against Washington. Um, you know, I just think this is one of those years where they're going to sweep Washington. I understand last year it happened the way it did, but that was a very very strange game. Very strange game. I think this year will be different. I think the Eagles win that game. So at this point, uh, we are at week eight. I have the Eagles one, two, three, four, five. Six. I have the Eagles, what is that, six and two? Yeah. After beating Washington. So, yeah. So what about week nine? Uh, how, how, how do you see that Dallas matchup? Okay. So uh, clearly they've had issues with Dallas. And th- this is a big one. You got the bye week uh, mm-hmm. coming looming on the horizon. Uh, they've had issues with Dallas over the last couple of years. Uh, in particular, they haven't done a good job on Dak Prescott. Um, I, I think th- what I, here's what I think ends up happening. Ultimately, Tony, I think they split with Dallas. And if my point Agreed. of view is they split with Dallas, I think this one's the win. December 10th is uh, just to jump ahead for one second. They'll be in a stretch of at Kansas city, Buffalo home, San Fran home, going to Dallas. I think that's yeah. a terrible spot for the Eagles. Agreed. So I think they lose that one, win this one. And, and they'll, I think they'll play well in this one. I have a good feeling about this game with the Eagles. No, I'm with you 150%. Um, I think they split with Dallas. I, I just think that's just the reality. Dallas is a good team. I know Eagles fans don't want to hear that, but they're a good team. Yeah. And I know another thing they don't want to hear. They're fairly well coached. Dan Quinn on defense. I know people have their own. He's a very good defensive coordinator. Very good. I know people have their own opinions of Mike McCarthy, but he's a good coach. He Does he have boneheaded moments? Yes. But he's, he's a good coach. And the reality is... Dak Prescott, he he has the Philadelphia Eagles number for the most part. So I think the Philadelphia Eagles definitely split, like you said, not to jump too far ahead, but I think they split. I think they win week nine, and then they lose uh, week 14, coming off that KC, Buffalo, San Fran stretch. That's going to yep. be a killer. Absolutely. All right, let's let's uh, let's get a timeout, and we'll pick it up after the bye, because that's where this thing really gets real. All right, so just a preview. As I mentioned, at Kansas City, Buffalo home, San Fran home, at Dallas, at Seattle, Giants home, home Cardinals at Giants to close out the season. So when we come back, we'll go through second half. So we both have we're both at two losses, correct? Correct, correct. I have two I have two back to back losses, week six and week seven at Jets and versus Miami. Okay. So we're at seven and two at the bye, and then it'll be Kansas City at Kansas City. So we'll do that when we come back. He's Tone to Shields. He's in for Derek. I am Rob Ellis hanging out with you on this Friday. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about ProAction Restoration. ProAction Restoration is the place that you reach out to if your home, a business that you may own, a property you own, goes through the pain, the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, or mold damage. Uh, on your property, you're not really sure who to turn to. You can't clean that up yourself. You, you don't. You don't have the time. You don't have the 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 tools, the equipment to be able to do it the right way. Well, ProAction Restoration is on call, 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I went through it. Uh, I was at my parents' house. They got flooded on a Saturday morning. I called ProAction. They got right over there. They diagnosed what the issue was first and foremost. They fixed it. They cleaned it up, and it was a great experience all around. They are licensed, bonded, and fully insured, and they've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, it could be water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610 
623-3760 or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles It is Friday. Yes, it is. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. You're saying, that doesn't look like D-Gun. Well, that is Tone to Shields. Tone normally does the uh, producing, but he is hopping in the big chair for Derek Gunn, who is off today. Have a lot of fun with Tone thus far. I am Rob Ellis. So we're going through, just tuning in, uh, we're going through the Eagles schedule and just kind of looking through this and what the difficult stretches are, why one game might be a little bit trickier than the other, et cetera. So we've gotten up to the bye week, and they played seven games <clears> thus far, and we both have them at seven and two. We don't necessarily have the same wins and losses, but we both have them at seven and two, although we do agree the Jets game is a very tricky spot week six. It says a lot about how we see this team, right? You know, I, yeah, se- I agree. seven and two, and 
this is still with us still not being entirely too sure about the defense. True. Uh not knowing about the defense in terms of personnel, in terms of the new coordinator, new coaches on that side of the ball. There's also a new offensive coordinator, a new guard, and new running backs. So there's, there is some change for sure. Um, all right. It's coming out of the bye now. And we all know Andy Reid's reputation coming out of a bye, which has always been excellent dating back to his Eagles days. So just keep that in mind. Uh, this game is Monday night, November 20th. They're at Kansas City, 8-15 start. Kansas City, of course, yeah, we, we know how what, the last time these two teams played, I think a lot of Eagles fans still smarting from that and, and looking at it like, you know what, a lot of missed opportunities. This was a game that they should have had. Uh, you know, you, you would think in terms of a revenge game, do the Chiefs see? I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes, Tone, we, we go with the hey, the other team's overlooking them. I don't think so. When you have to come back on a team and you were down 10 at the half in a Super Bowl, are you really overlooking this team? Like, could Kansas City? be looking past the Eagles and think they could just show up for this one. I don't think so. All that said, I still think it's a loss. What do you think? I actually think this is a win. Okay. I think the Philadelphia Eagles get their revenge. Uh, I don't think it's going to be maybe the prettiest game, even though both teams have pretty high powered offenses. I think this is going to be a game that lives in the 20 to 27 range. Okay. I think, I think, I think both teams are, going to come in, do their thing. And then there's going to be a moment in the game where t- both teams get a little stagnant. And then it's, then it's going to be about who makes that play on their, on, on their, on, on their final drive. So uh, I think the Eagles win that game. Another thing to keep in mind, I understand that actually the Eagles and Eagles and the Chiefs share a bye week. So They're both that, coming out of the bye. Correct. So, so, so that is going to be interesting as well, but you know, I'm keeping in mind that even though they have a bye week, they're coming off of that Miami game, Denver, uh, Chargers, Denver again, Minnesota. So, you know, that's a that's a pretty that's a very interesting stretch for them. But I think the Philadelphia Eagles find a way to get this game under their belt. I think this is a game where Jalen Hurts has, has it circled on the calendar, and I believe he wants to cross all his T's and die his eyes. All right. I think it's a game that if you're betting, I would bet the over. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in the game. Uh, I think ultimately Chiefs are going to have a little too much firepower at this point, still at this junction of the season for the Eagles uh, secondary. Big key to this thing is going to be pass rush. We know in the Super Bowl, the Eagles didn't get one sack on Mahomes. They're going to have to not only get sacks on him, Tone, but contain him. He killed them getting out of the pocket with his legs. Even yeah, I didn't, I didn't anticipate that in, in the Super Bowl. Uh, that's one thing I didn't account for, even though I know he's not a statue back there. But I just didn't account for him running for 20-plus yards at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, right. He And that hurt him bad. And Pacheco, you know, watch. They, they have got to handle Pacheco in this thing, too. Yeah. Okay, uh, come back home. Doesn't get much easier, by the way during this stretch, but they come back home a 425 start short week against Buffalo. I think Buffalo, you know, is one of those teams that uh, needs to show you that they're ready to take the step up in, in, into prime time and, and be that team that we've all been waiting for. We'll see it. We'll have a good idea too. what Josh Allen, you know, if he's cleaned up some of the sloppiness from last year with the mistakes that he made, especially in the red zone with the red zone interceptions where he had far too many of those. Now, to his credit, all offseason, he's been saying, like, I got to clean it up. That wasn't good enough. It's not acceptable. I have to be better. There was no denial or any of that. So all that said, um, I like the Eagles here. 
I think the Eagles ultimately win this game. Um, I think they will force Allen into some mistakes. This was a team that was very good at taking the ball away. Most of the year, they they, they were they led the league in, in um, takeaways. And then it kind of fell off a little bit. I think they finished third or fourth. But still, they'll get, they'll get some turnovers on in this one, I think. Yeah, I have this as a win as well, which is interesting. I have them winning two straight games coming out of the bye against maybe two of their tougher opponents of the season. That's That says a lot. Yeah. So I think this team can definitely run with Buffalo. I think the Eagles can run with any team, really. But I think they beat Casey. I think they beat Buffalo. Uh, you're right. Josh Allen is a quarterback who is very mistake prone. He he has a lot of Brett Favre in him. You know, he wants to make the big play for the most part. He wants to be the reason why they win. You know, he's he's very I don't want to say egotistical, but it's a part of his game where he just had he, he knows how big his arm is. He wants to make all the throws. And sometimes, like I, like I told you earlier in the show, it takes a lot more control to restrain. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like it's it's harder to restrain yourself rather than to just unleash on everything. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you know, I think it is. Tone, it, it's a double-edged sword. We've seen it with guys like Favre over the years. You know, every every once in a while, Mahomes will make one of those head scratchers because they're yeah. so talented and they have such belief in themselves mm-hmm. that they'll do things that most quarterbacks won't even dream about doing. You know, and and sometimes it works out great, and other times it bites you in the in the in the in the buttocks. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah I, I think Josh Allen falls in that category, that he just yeah. trusts himself so much. Yeah, and you know, I will say this, though. Because of where we are in the NFL, it's a very, very, very pass-heavy league. We're seeing quarterbacks throw the ball more than 700 times, more than 600 times on a season. That's, like, normal, right? Yeah. I personally don't hold interceptions in, in a high regard as other people do because I don't believe all interceptions are created equal. You know, I'm a firm believer that, OK, you, you can throw an interception in the game. Yeah. But was that the reason you lost? You know what I mean? Like like Dak Prescott, I know a lot of Cowboys fans like to say, well, I mean, you know, Josh Allen threw 15 interceptions, too. Sure. Yeah. But all interceptions aren't created equal. All True. his interceptions didn't directly contribute Red to the loss. Red zones are killers. Yeah, red zones You know what, killers, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yep. Yep. like Dak threw a lot of pick sixes last yeah, year. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. It's all about when, how the interception happened. Is was it a tip? It, it's so it's so many variables that go along into it. But I don't think all interceptions are created equal. I'm not like I wouldn't be mad if Jalen Hurts ended up throwing ten interceptions. Right, right. Because it depends on how they happen. It depends on the context of the game. I don't believe all interceptions are created equal. I'll say that. So, but again, overall, I think the Eagles beat KC. They beat Buffalo, and then. Week thirteen, we have San Fran, and Ooh. we we may differ on this game. So I'm curious to see okay. what your thoughts are. What okay. your thoughts are on this one? So, you know, usually you're circling Dallas. Uh, you know, with the the likes of this schedule, you're circling the team that beat you in the Super Bowl, Kansas City, and it's Big Red. You're you know you're circling Washington, and they haven't played the Giants yet. I know, but normally you'd be circling that as well. Like they're usually the games you get up for, but because there's been so much yapping. So much talk, so much trash talk, so much back and forth from the 49ers, players, coach, uh, fans, et cetera. We see it in our in our chat. There's been so much of that. There's going to be so much hype for this game. This game is going to be absolutely bananas. And it's a it's a 425 December 3rd. It's week 13 Eagles and the uh, and the 49ers. I hate the 425 time slot. I hate it. Uh, I love the one o'clock, man. Just give me a one o'clock. Yeah, give me a one o'clock game. 425, I feel like the Eagles don't do well at those time slots. Well, we're think about this. 
if for some reason the league decides to flex out that uh, December seven, December thirty first, the New Year's Eve game, which is the week seventeen, if they flex that out, and that's not a one o'clock game, the Eagles up until that point will only have had two one o'clocks the whole year. They may go the whole year with two one o'clocks, and that's it Jeez. for the whole year. Yeah, a lot of nights. Yeah, just uh, real quick. So you you have Thursday night, Monday night. Sunday night, Monday night, Sunday night, you have 425, 405, 425, 425, 425, 425, 425, 430. And that, that game may be changing. And we don't even know about the last game of the season because the time for the Giants game on January 7th is TBD. So anyway, it's true. I digress. All right. I, Tone, I hate to say it. I might be with you. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I think the Eagles lose this game. I'm with you. And, and, and I, I thought, can, we, I, I thought I, we were different, I, I but I'm feel with you. Like, I can feel something coming up in my throat when I say it. I hate that I feel that way. But it's yeah. the, it, maybe that's the old Philadelphian in me, the, the, the Negadelphia waiting for something to fall on my head. Like, we're going to be so hyped up that week. And it's going to be one of those where your knees get cut out from under you. It, it just it feels like it's setting up that way. No, you know you're not you're not far off. Now it's so funny you say the hyped up right getting hyped up for that game. There's a chance, even though I have the Eagles losing this game, there's a chance San Fran may be the ones coming to, to a little too souped up. Remember, yeah, they, they, that's because, where they could, they could come in on fire to start the uh-huh. game, making mistakes. Exactly, yeah. and yeah. you know, I just believe. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like the Eagles are going to lose to Sam Fran that week. I just have this weird inkling in my, you know, in my brain, in my mind. I, I can't really describe it. I think Debo is going to have a crazy game. Yep. That's what I think. Um, I yeah, I could see I could see Kittle uh, exploding. I could see Debo explode. Look. It, it, it got so ridiculous. McCaffrey really didn't do much because he was almost playing like quarterback. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a tough game. I hope I'm wrong. on This was the one I really hope I'm wrong on. Let me tell you. But I, if, if you're just asking me right now, my spidey sense says this is a loss. Oh, yeah. Um, abs- ab- absolutely. All yeah. right. So I think we're both at four losses at this point. Uh, yes, we are. We're both okay. at four losses. Yep. Unfortunately – it ain't changing the next week. Uh, uh, this is Sunday night at Dallas, and I feel like this is a loss too. So, uh, it's well, actually, you know what? I take that back. I was at three losses. We're, we were at three losses at that point. Okay, so that that okay. So, so the so the Dallas game will make it four. Okay. Yep. Does yep. And I, I'm with you on that. I think that's a loss as well. Tough spot. Eagles will have won the early game. This will be one where Dallas gets a little revenge. Uh, it'll be close for a while. It'll it'll probably come down to the very end. And then Dallas ultimately ends up winning the game by with maybe a late touchdown. I think that's the way it shakes out. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think the defense is going to let them down in that game. Uh, I actually think it's going to be one of those situations where they're just driving and the linebackers are getting exploited, and it's just it's it's just they can't they can't do nothing about it. I think the game is going to be very entertaining though. I think it's going to be high scoring. It's going to be in Big D. You know, it's, it's 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 going to be exciting for sure, but. I just think the Dallas Cowboys again. It's it, they're going to split this year. Mm-hmm. Some people think they're going to lose the first game. Some people think they're going to lose the second game. I yep. think the Eagles are going to lose that second matchup for some reason. The Cowboys in December, they, you know, with the Eagles, 
I don't know. It's it doesn't bode well for us. So and plus, again, Dallas is a good team. Like I understand they're our rival, but they're a good team. You know, we have, yeah. we have to like game recognize game. Yeah. So they're they're going to win that game. Yep. Tough spot for the Eagles. All right. Now it doesn't get any easier, and they rarely ever have success at this place. They go to Seattle the next week. Um, I I just think somehow, some way, they're going to figure it out. They're not going to lose three in a row. I mean, think about the panic that this city would be in if they dropped three straight, despite who the teams that they're playing. I think this city would be a wreck. And that's not why I'm saying they're going to win. I just feel like they're too good to, to, to have three straight bad weeks. So I think they win. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think they beat Seattle as well. I don't think Geno Smith is going to replicate what he did last year. Um, he had a really good season, his best season of his career. But I like to rely more so on the larger sample size than the smaller sample size. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, there are, have been quarterbacks in in NFL history that have somehow, some way found the fountain of youth or yeah. they they figured out the NFL 10 years into their career. You know, one guy I think about, and I'm not comparing him to Steve, I'm not, I'm not comparing Geno Smith to this person, but when it comes to just figuring out their, their career late, yeah, you think about uh, Steve Young. You know, he was on the bench a lot, yeah. you know, and he got – he, he he got his start later on in his career. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. um, again, nowhere in any shape, way, fashion am I saying Geno Smith is Steve Young, but I'm more so I'm more so like to believe that Geno Smith is not going to be able to replicate what he did last season. Um, I think he comes back down to earth, and I think the Philadelphia Eagles win that game pretty pretty comfortably. Okay. Uh, next one, um, we will go. I think this is where the Eagles start getting in a nice little run here. Mm-hmm. Giants at home. Uh, I like the Eagles here. I think they take care of business at home. Uh, I don't think I still even, and I think Saquon will be playing. I still don't think they have enough weapons between Saquon and Waller. I don't love their wideouts. I think mm-hmm. Dable does a nice job coaching them up, but I think ultimately the Eagles, um, look, I, I remember the way they handled them last year in the playoffs and they took them apart. And I don't think the Giants are that much improved. So I will. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I'll 100% take the Eagles in this one. Yeah, you know, we don't have to spend that much time on this one. This is like. I think the Eagles sweep the Giants this year. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, yeah. I think I think the Giants are making poor decisions in the front office right now. Not to say that they're poorly ran, because I think I think Joe Shane is is is, is a good GM. He just mm-hmm. had a couple head scratcher head scratching moves this offseason, like with paying uh, Daniel Jones and uh, think moves like that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the Saquon Barkley situation is really starting to boil over. But, and also, I like Brian Dayball as a head coach for sure. They're very well coached, and Brian Dayball is going to have them prepared. Like, I don't doubt Brian Dayball having them prepared. I don't doubt Brian Dayball maximizing the roster. I just don't think the Giants are talented enough, deep enough, good enough, fast enough, quick enough, pretty enough. <laughs> they don't have, they're just not enough, period. Okay. All right. Uh, see, now these last two games is where it gets a little challenging. They're home against the Cardinals. And at the Giants, what I mean by that is, I don't think the Cardinals are good, but I don't know what the Eagles could absolutely be playing for something like it could be neck and neck to win the division. It could be Mm -hmm. neck and neck for home field in the NFC, and it could mean everything. And the Eagles go out there and I think take them apart or now maybe there's not everything on the line and you're you're playing guys for a half. I'm just saying the danger of these last two games is we don't know exactly what's happening. Okay, that said. I still think the Eagles beat the Cardinals. I, I don't think the Cardinals are good enough by any stretch. Uh, 
I, I think that Kyler Murray probably will be back playing at that point. Mm-hmm. He's going to be, you know, close to a year removed from the ACL. But I think the Cardinals will be in the running for the worst team in football, and the Eagles will be in the running for the best team in football. So I will take the Eagles all day here. Absolutely. I think I think the Eagles are going to smack the Cardinals. You know, you ever seen you ever seen an eagle stalk its prey from above <laughs> and yeah. it just clamps down on you, and then it, it strangles you into submission? Yeah. That, that that's that's kind of what this is going to be like. Plus, maybe no one wants to talk about it, but I really think. This coaching staff and this team really wants to stick it to Gannon. Yeah. Because yep. um they, they they didn't like how things panned out. And of course, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me believes that it's a lot deeper than mm-hmm. what the you know what than what's been made available to us. Yep. But I believe that the Philadelphia Eagles are gonna curb stop the Arizona Cardinals. Because by yeah. then, the Arizona Cardinals are gonna be so down bad <laughs> to the point where they're just going to just roll over. Plus, I don't believe in Kyler Murray, and I don't think he's going to be nowhere near back to full form coming off yep. of that injury. Yep, with you. All right, the tough thing is the last game. Uh, Giants, it could mean everything for them just to get in. Could mean nothing for the Eagles. Could mean, you know, something for both. I'm going to go into the assumption it means something because it's impossible to, to, to say at this point. Uh, if that's the case, it's a loss, Tone. Really? It's a loss. It's a loss. They're going to lose this game. Um, I think the Eagles may let down a little bit. I think it's huh. I'm, I'm concerned with this one. I have a weird feeling, and it's not so much based on analytically looking at the game and that kind of stuff. It's more of just, I don't know, man. I don't have a good feel for this one. And I and at the end of the day, I thought they'd get the five losses anyway. I think that's my fifth loss. So right. 12 and five, I think, is very fair considering the schedule that they have. I know it's a bit of a surprise, but I have them losing at New York. What do you think in that one? You know, what's so funny, but you know, prior to us doing this exercise, and by no stretch of imagination, am I, am I locking you into this? The anything yeah. can happen, right? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, this is just a fun exercise. Prior to this exercise, I had the Eagles going twelve and five, knowing the schedule as I knew it, you know, at face value, you know. But going game by game, as we you know, as we did today, um, I had them winning that game uh, okay. in Week eighteen. So I guess. Doing the math, I had this team going 13 and four on the season when I've actually prior to doing this exercise, doing it prior to doing this exercise, I had them going 12 and five, which I felt was pretty realistic knowing the schedule. And here's the thing, Eagles fans, here's what here's what we need to keep in perspective. Yes, the Eagles went 14 and three last year, but the schedule was nowhere near what it is now. So the Philadelphia Eagles can win 12 games this year with this schedule, or if they can win 13 games, I think. I think that I think realistically they're going to be between 11 and 13 wins. Realistically, mm-hmm. if they can do that with this schedule, that's a win. Yeah, you know, like 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 some people have to understand that just like your schedule doesn't always reflect how good you are. 100. percent Especially given the fact that you know other teams get paid too, and you're going and the Eagles are going to are going to be going up against better quarterbacks this year. Better defenses, so on tougher and so forth. Stretches Better coaches, game. tougher yeah. stretches. Right. So, so I, based off this exercise, I had them thirteen and four. Okay, um, but I, but I definitely could see them going twelve and five as well. I don't think that's by far any stretch of them. I don't think that's out of the realm of the imagination at this point. It's all about where will the loss happen. You yeah. know, for me, I had the losses at the Jets and versus Miami. If you notice on mine, I had the Eagles suffering two sets of back to back losses. Mm-hmm. 
and them figuring out from there. Same. But also those back-to-back losses come against some pretty stiff competition. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Look, I think um, when it comes to this thing, look, 12 and five, if, if that is what I had about, I, I think if you're a 12 and five, I think you, I think it's going to be close with the Cowboys. Um, I think it could potentially be close with the 49ers. You know, the Eagles may not have home field advantage throughout. You know, that was such a key last year, but it's a possibility. You know, you're kind of teetering there that they may not get it. So that wouldn't surprise me. And that will be more of a challenge for sure. And that's, you know, something that, you know, they did. It was such a big part of what they were able to do last year, having San Fran have to come here. However, um, you're right. I mean, we do this kind of in fun and do it now as we sit here in mid-July, basically, knowing this thing could change so much with injuries. The teams just underachieve. Guys just don't play well. New fits don't work, whatever. And then there's other teams that we're completely writing off who could surprise you. And nobody thought the Giants were, were going to be a good team last year. Nobody thought Seattle was going to be a good team last year. And both of those teams kind of came out of nowhere and end up being playoff teams. So always keep in mind, that you get these every year before the season starts, there's the stuff that looks obvious and it's never obvious. There's something that comes out of nowhere and surprises you. So um, for sure, that's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun once we get here. Cause we're getting closer and closer. All right, let's roll into our NFL segment here. Uh, when we come back, we will continue. Well, what I want to do, I do want to continue the Eagles momentum. I want to start with the position group um, that's got the most pressure to succeed. And then we'll dig into all of our NFL topics that we normally do. So we'll have all of that when we come back. You don't want to go anywhere. That's Tone in for Derek. I am Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Time for little Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They are experts at trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. They specialize in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. That's 610-850-2848 or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods
save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. We're back. We are Sports Take, hour number three of the program. Appreciate you hanging. Let's hit that like button, friends, if you could. That is Tone to Shields. I am Rob Ellis, hanging out with you. All right, Tone, let's look. We just ran through the schedule. Um, and if you missed any of that, you want to go back and check it out, go to jacobsports.com, Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Uh, all right, so uh, position group that you feel like has the most pressure on it going into the season. Who would you say it is? You know, this actually may not be the one people think about as having the most pressure on it mm-hmm. because a lot of people feel like it's maybe the most talented. But I believe the position group that's under the most pressure this season is that defensive tackle group. Now, here's my reason for this. Obviously, you have Fletcher Cox, the trusty veteran, aging but trusty. Had a very, very good season last year, all things considered. I think he had about seven, seven and a half sacks. Seven sacks, yep. So that's a great number for the DT spot. Fletcher Cox hasn't shown really too many signs that he's a liability out there. He's still, in my opinion, a top 10 defensive tackle in this NFL. That's my humble opinion. Now, things get a little interesting when you go past Fletcher Cox. You have Jordan Davis. You have Jalen Carter, Milton Williams, Marlon Tupelotu, Kentavious Street. Granted, everyone is talented in their own right. Everyone has has athleticism in their own right. But I think the way this Philadelphia Eagles defense is ran, it's so important for Jordan Davis to take that next step. And maybe when I say most pressures on the defense tech group, because they're so young, mm-hmm. they're so young outside of Fletcher Cox. Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, all those guys are, what, 22, 21? Young. I mean, Milton Um, Williams is probably 24-ish, but he's still young. Yeah, Yeah. Milton Williams might might be this. Milton Williams is, yeah, like 24, 25, something like that, like like you said. Katavia Street, he's a a veteran for the most part, but who knows if he makes the roster per se. I think he does. But regardless, I just think there's so much pressure on this team, especially guys like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter because they're so young and so much is riding on their success. You have to think about Think about it from this perspective as well. So much has been invested in that position over the past two seasons. So much. Not only did they draft Jordan Davis 13th overall. Remember, they also signed Indomitian Sue and they signed Laval Joseph, right? So you you invested capital in the position and you also invested – a first round draft pick, but that was just last year. Obviously, Limbaugh and, and Dominic Sue aren't here anymore, but that just shows you how they're prioritizing that position. They've invested a lot in that position. Then you enter this season, you draft Jalen Carter, top 10 overall, ninth overall to be exact. 
right? You also signed Kictavia Street in the offseason. So they're showing you that they're doing everything possible to make sure that position is fortified. But Jordan Davis, a guy who's coming off of a very disappointing rookie season, in my opinion, I know a lot of Eagles fans like, like to give him a pass. Yes, he got hurt. Yes, he was in a rotation. Yes, he was learning the position and learning his role. I get all of that. But for your 13th overall pick to only play, to play less than 30% of the snaps, in my opinion, is a disappointment. Now, again, I'm not calling him a bust. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is he has to have a good season, a good season this year. As a matter of fact, not just good. He has to have an impactful season this year. Because I know when he was drafted, he was only necessarily known as a nose tackle, uh, a run stuffer, not really known for getting sacks. But that he has too much athleticism to not be able to get sacks. I feel like Jordan Davis should at least be able to get you four or five sacks a season maybe six no, right. knowing his role but again i just think that position has so much riding on it on top of that and i'll let you and i'll let you take over at the, take over okay. after this the eagles were not a good run stopping team last year last year their run they defense their run defense were suspect yep. very suspect mm-hmm. where historically the eagles have always been a pretty good team when it came to defending the run yep but as of late they haven't been able to really live up to that bill so yep. when you think about all of that if the eagles can't stop the run and you're going up against better quarterbacks this year, we have a problem in our hands. All right, so uh, real quick, just on your point, uh, Coach Marcus says, um, I put Davis's lack of play on Gannon. Okay, I mean, we'll see. I, I think it's a big year for Jordan Davis. I, I'm with you. Like, people have gone way too far to hammer the guy, you know, I think, in my opinion. Like, let's let's have a healthy year, and let's see what he's got where, where his snaps are increased. I, I think this year we'll have a much better gauge of what Jordan Davis is than we did last year. Just again, did, didn't get a ton of opportunities. And then when he started to play well, he had the high ankle, he had the concussion. Right. I think he had some bad luck along the way too, and I think that's fair. And I think it was a good learning process for him. Um, I'm going to go wide receiver. Interesting. Here's why. First off, you have two guys who had great years last year, two guys over a thousand yards. AJ Brown immediately impact everything we thought he was going to be. He was, and then some, and he was flat out awesome. Okay. And he, you could see the chemistry right away with his buddy and, you know, 1400, almost 1500 yards, 17 yards per catch, 11 touchdowns. Monte Smith, you know, just, just still learning the position in his what second year last year. 95 catches, almost 1,200 yards, almost 13 yards per catch, seven touchdowns, flat out awesome, both of those guys. And here's two things to to play off of that. One, there's when you set the bar very high, you Mm -hmm. need to not only stay there, maybe top it. That's what we're expecting out of both of those two guys this year. The offense is going to have to carry the defense early, and a big part of that is going to be Jalen hitting those guys and scoring a lot of points. So – they're critical. It's not just them, though. There's a major question mark at number three. Most teams in the NFL now have three legit wideouts, three good ones, three dependable ones. Mm-hmm. We're sitting here right now. This is either a reclamation project year for, for Quez Watkins, or he's probably going to be gone after this year. It's right. a monster year for his career as an Eagle. Uh, then there's uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, who comes over from Atlanta, who had a really solid year for them, all things considered, with Mariota and the rookie stepping in there. He did okay. But that position is very much up in the air, in my opinion, that three spot. We don't know what it's going to look like ultimately. And I'd say there's a bit of a fall off, or a good fall off, in fact, from your one and your two. So you're talking about two guys 
who have to get similar numbers, you know, 1,500, 1,200, uh, 18 catches, uh, touchdown catches combined, high yards per catch, and then whatever third guy steps in there has got to step in and do a good job too. Like when we talk about pressure, if that group isn't good, it's going to reflect badly on Jalen Hurts. The mm-hmm. offense isn't going to be what we thought it was going to be. They're going to load the box more on these running backs, and that's going to hurt them. And a defense that I think is going to take a while to get going all of a sudden might be exposed a little bit more. So the offense has got to be good, and the receivers have to be good. So I'll say the receivers. No, you're absolutely right. They lack depth behind A.J. Brown and Devontae yep. Smith, the reality. I am. I'm, I, th- I think I'm a little higher on Olamide's accused than a lot of other people. Yep. I look at his time in Atlanta. And when you look at his numbers and you think about the situation he was in, the quarterback he had, the role he was in as the number three receiver. Yep. I think he I think he did exactly what you could expect from a guy in his role. Uh, I think he had uh, close to 600 receiving yards, something like that. Averaged, I believe, between 11 and 14 yards per reception. Or yeah, he, he was solid for them last year, despite he was, not he, a he, he was solid. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. When I think about it from that perspective, Quez Watkins has pressure on him this year. A lot of people are higher on Quez Watkins than I am. Last season, I felt like Zach Pascal should have got more snaps than Quez Watkins, but I understand why Quez got more yep. because Quez has a trait that you can't teach, and that's speed. Now, what good is speed if you can't catch the ball? And it makes it even worse that he left a really bad taste in our mouths from that Super Bowl appearance because if he catches that ball, we're singing a whole different tune right now. It's, yeah, it's so interesting how one play can really define a guy's career. Well, you know why, though? That that play sort of symbolized what his year was. You know, there, there were a lot of missed opportunities for him. Yeah, and you know what? It's so funny you say that, right, when, when it comes to his year. In the exit meeting, uh, in the exit meetings, like in the press conference, you know when they, inter- they interview the yeah. guys by, by the lockers, all yep. that kind of stuff. Exit interview, exactly. Mm-hmm. He, he was very transparent, and I gave him a lot of credit for this. And again, I don't dislike Quez. I actually like Quez. When when we drafted Quez out of uh, what was that? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, Southern, was it Southern Miss? I can't. Southern Miss, which I think is Brett Favre's alma mater. I, I can't remember exactly where, but nonetheless, when we drafted uh, him, Southern Miss, it's Southern Miss. They got him in the okay. sixth round, two hundredth overall pick. Now, when you think about all that and put it in perspective, I think he's. Been on par with what you would expect. I even think last season he gave you more than what you would expect. Well, the previous season he gave you more than what you expected because he was the number two. He overtook Jalen Rager, remember? So, you know, he mentioned in his exit interview that he had a hard time adjusting going from the number two to the number three role. He had a hard time adjusting behind A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. You know, he, he... expected more of himself, but he also was very transparent that he fully, he fully didn't buy into his role. Yeah. So now that he has another year under his belt with this regime at wide receiver, I'm curious to see if he's, I'm curious to see if he went back to the drawing board, became a more disciplined route runner, became a more disciplined teammate and really leaned into what he's supposed to do to make this team go. Because we know what AJ Brown's going to give us. We know what Devontae Smith's going to give us. The reason Quez is there is because he has that speed and he, get, he forces safeties and other DBs to really think twice about really playing up. But it's all for naught if he doesn't catch the ball. Exactly. And I, and, and I think the one game where it stood out to most, uh, where, the one game where it stood out the most, where he just looked like a liability, was that Cowboys game. 
the Cowboys game. I believe yeah, well, he, interceptions was his fault. I agree. I mean, People want to dump on Gardner Minshew, but his receiver should have either broken those passes up or he should have caught him. I think he had a bad Cowboys game. I thought he had a bad Washington game. I thought he had a really bad Super Bowl. They're the three that really stand out. If I had a write-in vote, I'd go with the linebackers. There's pressure on those linebackers. Absolutely. I mean, you guys. That's my, that's my second group, by the way, so I'm with yeah, you on that. You got N'Kobe, uh, you know, who's unproven, and you have Nicholas Morrow, who everybody's kind of saying, like, all right, we'll see. I mean, he put up okay numbers in Chicago, but on the bad uh, defense. Yeah, that's right. So it's like you don't know what to make of it. Like, hey, to his credit, he might have been out there on an island just making plays left and right, or it's like somebody had to make a tackle. So I think that position in and of itself is going to have such an eye on it. Like people are going to be really locked in on linebacker and safety. Absolutely. Because there's, it's also the position where I feel like, you know, there's some competition. You know, whether it's uh, Terrell Edmonds and and Blankenship, maybe, you know, with Sidney Brown thrown in that mix, linebacker, some people think Christian Ellis may make a little move there, and, you know, and, and slide in there. So, like, those positions, we haven't had a lot. Like, last year it was sort of, you knew who all the starters were. Yeah. You're going in this year, and there's a couple spots that maybe could be taken, if not in camp. By week three or four. And I think linebacker and safety are two spots there for sure. Yes, it's so interesting, right? When you think about the Philadelphia Eagles roster, specifically on defense, they're built very well at your high impact position, at your high impact positions, at your most vital positions, right? You know, your your top priority positions. In my opinion, the top five high value positions, the, the positions that impact the game the most, in my opinion, and also to get the most money is quarterback, quarterback because he passes the ball everything runs through him yep. you have your left tackle because he has to protect the quarterback's blind side for the most part then you have edge rusher edge rushers attack those left tackles and right tackles to try to get to the quarterback to try to prevent that quarterback from throwing the ball yep. right and then you have wide receivers who help elevate your quarterback to make his job easier but then you have dbs cornerbacks to be specific who have to deal with these dynamic wide receivers that it's supposed to help the quarterback make his job easier. So if you, if you notice, all those positions work hand in hand with each other. And I believe th- that's why those positions are the most sought after positions. That's why those positions are the most highly valued. And the Eagles are built very strongly at those positions. Quarterback, yeah. Jalen Hurts, receiver, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. Um, edge rusher, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat. If you if you want, you could just say D-line uh, for Chicago's all those boys, Jalen Carter. Uh, cornerback, Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Avante Maddox. The middle of the field is where they're at their weakest. And that's clearly where, uh, where Harry Roseman doesn't spend most of his money. I'm with you, though. The linebacker position, a lot of pressure on those guys. I actually think a lot of people feel more comfortable with the safety position than what people realize because fans are, fans are so high on Blankenship. They're so high on uh, Sidney Brown. Terrell Edmonds is a veteran who's played this game for a long time. And um, the, the, the the Steelers didn't necessarily want to get rid of him, but right. they had to kind of make an executive decision. And the room was split on um, mm-hmm. what I heard based on Terrell Edmonds. So I think it's really going to come down to that linebacker position, right? What are we going to get from the Kobe Dean? What are we going to get from Nicholas Morrow, Christian Ellis, Sean Bradley? I'm so disappointed in Davion Taylor because I had such high hopes for that young man. And who knows what may happen, right? Anything can happen. Injury, he may get an opportunity. Anything can happen. But he has not been able to stay healthy. Not really his fault, 
But every time he took a step forward, he took two steps back. Mm-hmm. And somehow, some way, he actually found his way off the starting 52. So when I think about all those yeah, things, I, like I don't even think about a guy like that. Like I have it, zero- It's a shame, right? It's a shame because yeah. we thought he, he was drafted in the third round, I think. Yeah. Third, fourth round. We yep. thought this guy had raw tools that can be molded, right? Yeah. But now it's at a point where Davion Taylor is just an afterthought. Now we're focused on the Kobe Dean, Nicholas Morrow. Um, Sean Bradley is a, is a very good special teamer. I don't see him being a starter at all. I think Christian Ellis is the only linebacker outside of Nicholas Morrow and the Kobe Dean that can challenge um, for, a start, for, uh, for a starting role. A lot, a lot of pressure on the Kobe Dean, though. A lot of it. Well, all right. So this, uh, you you uncovered this, so I thought it was interesting. Um, Keely Ringo is still not signed. I, I can't imagine that is that's going to drag into camp. I would be shocked. I don't think it's good for him if it does. I think it'll get done. Okay, uh, by by the time they report on Tuesday. But you noticed that he was working out with Buda Baker of the Cardinals. Yep. And what's interesting about that is, you know, he's a corner. But there are a lot of people that believe he has the ability to play safety as well. Um, a, are they cross-training him, and, and is this part of it? I, like, I don't think the Eagles incorporated Buda Baker to work. I'm just saying he's, he right. may be just working out with Buda Baker and, and right. learning everything. But, but uh, are the Eagles viewing him as an NFL player as a safety? And if that's the case, safeties aren't played necessarily the way that corners are now. You know, a lot of this depends on where you're taken to and you're kind of slotted in there no matter what. But it does make you think a little bit, does that have anything to do with anything? No, you're right. You know, we, we definitely talked about this off air and he's the only rookie that hasn't been signed yet. Right. Right. But he's also the only rookie where you look at him and, and you're, you're kind of torn on where you where he can play. You know what I mean? You look at the other guys, you know where they're going to be for the most part. You know where Tyler Steen's going to play for the most part. Um you know, you know where Carter is going to play. You you know, Tanner McKee is a quarterback, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. um, you know, you you know where most of these guys are going to play. Nolan Smith, right? But Keele Ringo is the only guy where you're like, is he a safety? Is he a corner? When you think about, like, when you think about the way he was evaluated, he's a talented guy. But the one knock on him that's been consistent from every evaluator that I've read into is he's a little stiff in the hips. He lacks he lacks a certain fluidity that you need at that position, especially when you're dealing with um, some of these speedy receivers. Receivers have only gotten more talented now, mm-hmm. right? So is he a better corner than safety? Will he be better served as safety than corner? Me personally, based off his build, I think he'd be better served at safety because you now you allow him to roam and really allow him to really lean in on his best traits, which are his ability to track the ball, his physicality, um, his tackling ability, right? You allow him to free roam and really double down on his strengths, whereas at corner, I feel like you're kind of exposing his weaknesses. All right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to keep your, our eye on what happens there. I, again, I would be shocked if he's not signed uh, by the time uh, camp begins. All right. So a couple things NFL-wise. Uh, Philip Rivers and his wife Tiffany are expecting child number 10. 10 spot. God. Double digits. Yes. Nine was not enough. There is another baby Rivers on the way for the Rivers clan. So they get. I think they have to go to 411, don't you, at this point? You get 11, and then you have an entire football team that you can field, at least on one side of the ball. Or are you okay. just happy you can play a little five-on-five hoops? I, I don't know. One, one or the other. 
one one thing I will say, man, Philip Rivers, he ain't shooting blanks. I tell no, you, no, he's not. <laughs> he ain't no, shooting my, blanks. <laughs> my man scores. He shoots. He scores. Okay. Oh man. Yep. Yeah. But you know that's kudos to him. Congratulations to him and his family. You know, I was looking at a photo with him and his family, and beautiful family, man. And you know, Philip Rivers, you know, he's always been a character on and off the yes. field. Um, always been a respectful competitor. Doesn't curse at all. No. But but man, does he talk trash to you though? Yeah, he does. So man, um, kudos to uh, Philip Rivers and his family, man. Hopefully they have a healthy baby, and um, hopefully the family continues to get bigger. <laughs> Their kids, no, they range from like twenty one to four or something like that, and now they're gonna have a, you know, another newborn. I mean, whoa! I have two, and I'm exhausted from two, man. I I, I have I none. I have yeah. none yet. I'm 28, and my I, mom is always on me. When am I getting a grandbaby? Uh, yeah, no when, rush. I'm, man. I'm I'm like, listen. I want to at least touch 30 before I'm even trying. So, um, but me, me and the wife definitely talked about having kids. Um, yeah. We definitely want one for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I always make the joke. We want one for sure. And the second one most likely be an accident. So, so. I hear you. <laughs> well, at least you could still play man on man to man with, with two. All right. Exactly. exactly. Uh, so yeah, good for them. All right. I thought this was really interesting. Apparently, Richard Sherman is one of the the strong candidates uh, to replace Shannon Sharp on Undisputed with Skip Bayless. Uh, I think it's that's a very interesting name. You know, he's he's very opinionated, very outspoken, very smart guy, a guy who doesn't give a lot of ground. He, you know, I don't think he'll back down. Um, he would seem to be a very interesting fit um, that I think could do well in that role. Uh, with Skip Bayless. What do you think about uh, about Richard Sherman? It's going to be really interesting because, like we talked about off air, right, Skip Bayless and Richard Sherman don't really have the, how do you say, um, the cleanest history. You know, we've, yeah. seen, we've seen Richard Sherman having, having an appearance on first take when it was Skip Bayless and uh, Stephen, Stephen A. Smith, and yeah. we've, we've seen Richard Sherman rip Skip Bayless to shreds. We've seen that, and we know how unyielding Skip Bayless can be so that's gonna be really interesting to see. Oh, uh, it's a shame that uh Shannon left the show, yep. but when you really keep up with the way that show's been going, you understand why he left. You know, there were just, in my opinion, there were just too many moments where I felt like Skip kind of crossed the line a bit. You know, one moment in particular that stands out was when uh, I think they were talking about Tom Brady, and then you know, somehow for some reason, Skip felt the need to question. Shannon's legacy. Yep. Compared to Tom Brady's. I know. And it's like, like, and by the way, who who compares to Tom Brady? Like who who right? But also, who compares quarterbacks to tight ends? No, like, it, it, it's just it's just it's just weird. Guys but, in the Hall of Fame. That that's all you need to say. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just weird. But overall, though, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that how that pan out. How that pans out. I'm definitely willing to look into that and see, um, you know, how it goes. It, 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 it should be exciting. Interesting name. All right, uh, Brock Purdy, according to the Niners is on target to uh, to start the 23 season. He went down, he saw the specialist uh, in Jacksonville, and everything's a go. Now, I don't know if that means he'll be able to start camp, you know, immediately, but uh, – and they've been saying this for a while. I give them credit, but they say that Purdy will be ready to roll for the, uh, for the Niners. You know, it's interesting. That's going to go hand-in-hand with – you know, that matchup, right? You mm-hmm. know, that we're that, that we both think they're going to lose. Yeah. Will he be the quarterback? I don't know. That's the thing about the San Francisco 49ers. You really have no idea who their quarterback is going to be. Yeah. And 
that's a terrible position to be in as a franchise. But the 49ers are a unique team because for some reason they're they're the only team that I know of I've ever seen that can truly, truly overcompensate for the loss of a starting quarterback. They're the only team that can enter a season not knowing who a starting quarterback is and still find a way to get 12, win, 12 wins minimum. Mm-hmm. So that just speaks to how well they're coached. That speaks to how deep they are, how talented they are. But on a side note, it's going to be interesting to see how that defense moves around without having D'Amico Ryan's back there pulling the strings. Yeah, yeah, but, with, a new, with a new coordinator, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Brett Purdy, um, get well soon, my friend. Um, Hassan Reddick is waiting for you. <laughs> and and please try and block him with a tight end. Please, Kyle please, Just do it one more time. That's all uh, we need. Um, so the Titans are the betting favorites to land DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. So you can look at it this couple couple different ways. Either that's what Vegas is hearing from insiders who, who are in the know about this. That is one reason, and certainly I think contributes to this. But the other reason could be you just might have had somebody put down a massive bet on the Titans too, and that can influence the line a little bit. But the Titans thing is interesting. Certainly not a terrible team by any stretch. Could be a playoff team. They're not in a great division. Uh, you know, Jacksonville's the the favorite in that, but it's not a great division. So they could be a playoff team, but if DeAndre Hopkins is all about winning a Super Bowl, let's be real. Is that team getting out of the AFC? I don't think there's any chance they get out of the AFC. Now, the other side of this is if DeAndre Hopkins is looking for the most money they can get, and I don't fault any NFL player for ever doing that, by the way, then that's fine. That's a different story. But you're not winning it with the Titans if you're DeAndre. Yeah, man. It's funny. You know, earlier this offseason, he mentioned how he's seeking stability at the quarterback position. He's seeking stability as an organization. He wants to win. Going to Tennessee is not in line with what he's talking about. But like you mentioned, if it's about the money, he'll go to Tennessee if they're the biggest offer. But if it's about winning, he's going to probably end up in Buffalo or he's yeah. probably going to end up maybe in KC or maybe he ends up. I don't know, man. Like his options aren't really that that New vast. England, uh, New England, yeah. Yep. So, right. yeah. I mean, they're they're a stable organization, but you can make an argument that they aren't stable at quarterback position because of what Bailey Zappi did last year, and some people aren't high on Mac Jones anymore. So, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, he doesn't really have too many options, but at the same time, you know, at this point in his career, he has to ask himself: Is it about the money or is it about winning? Yep, absolutely. Uh, Miles Sanders, you know, as you would expect, and good for him. He's got his quarterbacks back, um, his new quarterback. He's in Carolina now, if people forgot. And Bryce Young was the first pick taken by by Carolina. And he said he's got a he's got a good cocky way about him. In other words, he's not, you know, puffing out his chest telling you how great he is, but you can see that this guy believes in himself and you know, he's got that sort of quarterback aura, he's got that swag. That, that, that the good ones carry where you have that confidence in yourself. And he said, you know, he, there's a lot of good traits from this guy and he's a firm believer that he's the real deal. All right. I mean, it's, it, look, if he was, didn't look good, I don't think you say anything. So maybe it tells you a little something, right? You just keep your mouth shut. Like, Hey, I can't wait to play. Right. Yeah. I can't wait to play. You know, uh, see, I'm glad to have him on the team. You know, he, you know, he's, he's growing. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I like what I'm seeing, you know, all the generic some patience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But, um, you know, like you said, that's exactly what he's supposed to say. I actually like Bershaw. I actually like uh, the first few quarterbacks that were drafted in this year's draft. Um, 
you know, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson. You know, I think I think I think Bryce Young definitely could win rookie of the year. I think CJ Stroud could win rookie of the year. I yeah. think Anthony Rich. I know a lot of people aren't really high on him because of his college tape and you know, yes, the the athleticism and the raw talent jumps off the screen, but we know Anthony Richardson wasn't really, you know, he, he didn't really have the best numbers at Florida. But I don't know. I have this sneaky weird feeling that Anthony Richardson is gonna win rookie of the year. I I don't know. But that's that he, he has a he has a he's in a great situation coaching wise. That's what yeah. I was just gonna say. You know, if, if anybody can help him be his best, it's Shane Steichen. Absolutely. You know, who who helped Jalen. Look, I, I mean, I think Jalen was surrounded by good people. He had Brian Johnson as his quarterback coach, he had Shane Steichen, he had Nick Sirianni. He was in a very good, you know, good place. But the blueprint it was laid here and a lot of the stuff that he can incorporate with Anthony Richardson, you know, I'm sure he incorporated here. So that I agree with you. Like, like I'm not saying he's going to be rookie of the year, but I think he's in a very good position to succeed. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I hope that all of these teams, including the Panthers, including uh, the Texans with Stroud and including the Colts with, uh, with Anthony Richardson, have some patience. This stuff doesn't happen overnight for quarterbacks. You've got to give it a little bit of time to let these guys, you know, blossom here. But that's just the town we're in, right? You know, for something like we're in this we're, we're in this era where throw him out there to the wolves. I need to find I out what he, I, I need to find out what he is right away. And I understand the logic because now, you know, so much more, so much is invested in these guys. So, and you know, oh yeah, no, we got you. We got, got you. We got you. I hear. Sorry you. about that. And That's all right. Wi-Fi. Close up for a second. Yeah. No big deal. Right, there we go. Um. But but yeah. Um. Yeah. Basically, what I was saying was, you know, these teams are investing a lot in these rosters, and they just want to find out can this guy hack it, you know? And on top of that, because of the flexibility teams now have with the first round pick, and them not having to dedicate but so much money to the first round picks, teams are now able to get out from those first round picks way easier than they did in the past. Like remember the Jamarcus Russell contract. Crippled the Raiders on um, the Sam Bradford contract. You know what I mean? So yeah. now teams have a little bit more flexibility, and now they're even more gung ho about finding out if this guy can play or not. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, one of the things uh, we, we're going to look at here is tight ends um, and, and dig into our, our top five at that position, a position group. Um, uh, I'm curious if you if you have uh, an eagle player on the list. So, why don't you why don't you go through your list, uh, work your way up, go five through one, and we can we can kind of we we and then I'll do mine. We'll kind of sift through it. All right, you said go five through one, right? Yeah, five through one. Okay, so at number five, I have uh, T.J. Hawkinson. Yep. Uh, he was traded from Detroit to the Minnesota Vikings. Which I don't understand why Detroit did that. I that don't was, either. That, they I, did so many right things. That's not the right. Th- he's th- that he's was so good. strange to me. I don't get that. I didn't get it. I and I never like, heard anything about him being a bad guy or any that you had to get rid of him or any. I never heard any of that. It stuff. had to. Be, it had to be about the simple fact they knew his contract was coming up and they just didn't want to pay it. I guess. But yes, I, I don't know. I just felt like that was such a weird move. That was one of the only. That was one of the many trade moves I've seen that kind of really that really you literally hurt your quarterback by doing that. I mean, no granted, the, the Lions, Lions still had a pretty good season, all things considered, but I just felt like that was a move you didn't really need to make. But nonetheless, I have T.J. Hawkinson at number five. Um, he had a career year last year, 914 receiving yards, 86 receptions. On had some really good catches and big some games. Some really good catches. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. six, uh, six receiving uh, touchdowns. 
Um, he was second in the league in total yards in terms of tight end, so he had a really good year. Uh, and number four, um, Eagles fans might be mad at me about this, but I have Dallas Goddard at number four. The reason I have him at number four is because he has to stay on the field. Yeah. He has to stay on the field. This isn't like when I made this list, it was a combination of talent, availability, reliability, you know, consistency, yep. you know, things like that. Yeah. And Dallas Goddard, he's talented. He can put up big numbers. Let me put it, let me put it in perspective for you, right? Dallas Goddard. I have a number four, by the way, people. Number four, don't kill me, but I have a number four. Dallas Goddard, right? He only played in 12 games. He had oh, he had just over he had 702 receiving yards. Yep. He had 55 catches on 69 targets. He was averaging almost 13 yards a catch. And he had three touchdowns. You can make an argument if he plays five additional games. Yeah, he easily goes over a thousand yards. And they have then they would have three thousand yard receivers easily and easily. a thousand yard rusher. That that offense last year was nuts, nuts, yeah. nuts. So like when you think about from that perspective, and you think about all the the injury bug that he continues to have at these at the significant times of the season. It's hard for me to put him ahead of guys like Mark Andrews, who I have at number three, who is always available for the most part. I think Mark Andrews had a weird season last year where he got hurt, but Mark Andrews, for the most part, is available. He's still ranked third. As a matter of fact, Mark Andrews only missed two games last year. Mm -hmm. Um, He played 15 games. Mark Andrews, again, I have him at number three. That's without Lamar Jackson for a lot of the And that's without Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews, 15 games played, 847 receiving yards, 73 catches on one. Seventy-three catches on 113 targets, averaged almost 12 yards a catch, five receiving touchdowns. You know, I just think Mark Andrews is such a reliable tight end. Um, Great route runner, great hands. Um, He's not as he's not as dynamic as Dallas Goddard. Yeah, I don't think he's as talented as him, but he's always available. He put and he puts up the numbers. So I have to edge out Mark Andrews over Dallas Goddard. Number two, I have George Kittle. Then at number one, I have Travis Kelsey, obviously. Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. just crushed all the tight ends in terms of yards, crushed them in terms of uh, touchdowns. Well, Kittle had 11 touchdowns. Travis Kelsey had 12. Travis Kelsey had just over 1,300 receiving yards. Kittle had uh, 765 receiving yards, played in 15 games. Again, if Dallas Goddard plays every game, or if, even if he plays 15 games or 16 yeah. games, yep. he has better numbers than George Kittle from a yards perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, he has better numbers than T.J. Hawkinson, Mark Andrews. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. again, that's just my humble opinion. I think Dallas Goddard actually is the is actually the second most talented tight end in the NFL, but he has to stay healthy. Uh, this is crazy. We have our list. I think is identical. Get up. I go Hawkinson, Goddard, Andrews, Kittle, Kelsey. Is that your order? Yes. All right, and I have we did I, not do this on purpose, you guys. No, by the way, I, I swear to God, we have the same list, uh, and and I have Pitts at number six, uh, who I who is like I think on the come here. I like that. Point. I like that. Um, all right, so I'll I'll work down, then I'll work with Kelsey first. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, look, the most unstoppable force at the at the position, and and you know, 33, 34, We don't talk about his age because it looks like he's going to play for another seven. He's thirty three. Yeah, I know, I know, he is. Yeah, it's crazy. He was. He told the story the other day on his podcast, which I couldn't believe. So he goes to the University of Cincinnati as a quarterback, and they're using him as like a wildcat quarterback early yeah. in his career. And he gets suspended for smoking weed. Right. Misses a year. He comes back, and they say, you can stay on the team. Um, yeah, he's 33. 
the 10th year. It's funny. We talk about Jason always. Jason's like 34. And we're like, when's he going to retire? We never mention it with Travis. But anyway, um, he misses a year. They say you can stay on the team, but you're not a quarterback anymore. So he starts practicing with the tight ends and the rest is history. You know, it, it just worked out for him. And he's a crazy athlete. Yeah, but, I got another I got another story for you from the New Heights. I love the New Heights podcast. It's by great. Way. They're, they are truly entertaining. They're um, awesome. But another story uh, that kind of relates to that, you know, when uh, when Travis Kelsey was it was on draft day, yeah, and Jason got a call from Andy, and I wait, did Andy call Jason? I, he called both of them. Okay. Actually, I'm sorry, Jason, Jason and Travis were together on right. draft night, right, right, and Andy called them, and you know he was talking to Travis, and you know. Travis was um Andy was like, hey Travis, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna F this up, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Travis was like, no, sir, no, sir. And you know, Andy was like, all right, put Jason on the phone. So Jason picked up the phone. He said, he said, hey, coach, what's going on? He was like, hey, he's not gonna F this up, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 just it's so it's so fascinating. Right. It's, it's, it's it's such a cool story. Those guys are such amazing storytellers on their podcast. Uh... Um, I love how hands-on Travis Kelsey. I love how hands-on they both are yeah. in each other's careers. Um, how hands-on, how hands-on they both are in each other's uh, community efforts. Travis was in was in yeah. Jersey, you know, for the yeah, you know, for the um team Kelsey '62. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, um, man, it's it's hard not to like Travis Kelsey, man. He's yeah. he, he's super talented, man. They're they're talented guys. Look, I think Kittle's a monster too. I mean, the thing yeah, with man. Kittle is health. He's a gr- yeah, it's health. It's staying healthy. He's a great blocker, but he's a guy who takes a lot of shots, you know, and he gets hit really, really hard. But, and, you know, he's also had instability at the quarterback spot. That's a good point. You know, if he gets with someone who's just there for seven years and is the steady starter, I mean, I, I can only imagine what he can do. And he's he kind of falls victim a little bit to what got, happens with Goddard mm-hmm. because they have so many weapons. You have Ayuk, you have Debo, you have McCaffrey. Like you got those guys have to get fed where you're not going to get, and it's, I'm not saying he doesn't get targets, but you maybe aren't going to get as many targets as you would if they didn't have that many good players uh, in San Francisco. So Kittle's a beast. Can you imagine Kittle with just a Kirk Cousins? Like just, just anybody serviceable. It's, it's yeah. crazy. To- totally true. And then look, everything you said about Andrews is right. I mean, Andrews has not had really quality receivers to take the heat off of him. Mm-hmm. He's been the main target there whether it's Lamar, whether it's Huntley filling in or, you know, whatever the situation is there with their injuries that they've Still had. His numbers. And that guy's good. He is. He's good. He, they appreciate him down there because he got a nice big contract. But I don't know that nationally he gets quite the recognition. It's not sexy. Like, like, like he's not he's yeah. not like a sexy player to watch. He yeah. he, 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 get, he he's boring a little bit. But, yeah. you know, actually that outside of Lamar Jackson, the way that the Ravens play offense is pretty boring. You know, yes, they, it's not but really... they have a new coordinator this year. Yeah. They, they got rid of the uh, the the um, what's his name, Greg Roman or whoever was right. there. Right. Um, all right, so then Goddard, I have four for all everything you laid out. It's just stay healthy, man. And the other thing that that you really appreciate about Goddard is he's an excellent blocker. Excellent he's, blocker. He's a two way player. Yeah, he is not he is not one dimensional, even a little bit. Um, he's in fact he's really really good. So I props to him and Hawkinson. I, I think Hawkinson with a full year under his belt with Cousins and, you know, and Jefferson and that crew is, is going to be awesome uh, for the Vikings. I think he's going to be really, really good um, for them. You know, there's other guys. I mentioned Pitts, uh, but there's other guys. Certainly you could throw uh, Friar Muth in there from Pittsburgh. I, I like Gasecki. He didn't have a big year last year for Miami. I think he could be good in New England this year. 
Uh, I would watch out for him. If you're talking about Penn State tight ends, it's those two guys. But mm-hmm. there are certainly other ones out there. But I would say those guys are the top uh, top in the game right now. Yeah, you know, it's one guy who I feel like he gets a lot of love from his peers, but he's another guy who can't release down the field either, and that's Darren Waller. Yes. If, if, Dan, if Darren Waller was at least – if Darren Waller gave you at least 14 to 15 games a season, Darren Waller could easily be probably the best tight end in the league, maybe top three, top two. He's that talented. He's that good at what he does, but he doesn't give me enough to make me even consider him in the top five. I liked what you did with Kyle Pitts too at number six. I think he's going to, once Travis Kelsey retires, you know, if and when he does or whatever, I think, I think the, you know, he's going to be like the leaders of the new school when it comes to that tight end position. Like Kyle mm-hmm. Pitts is, he got over a thousand yards with no, yeah, his rookie with, year, with, and he yeah. got hurt last year. Yeah, know? he got hurt, hurt last year. Yeah, so he he had he had a very good rookie campaign. Yep. Um, with little to no consistency at the quarterback position. Um, he he's also next to Drake London. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where Kyle Pitts' career uh, takes him. So. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, let's get a timeout. Let's get our final one of the show in, and we'll come back. Uh, I'll give you the Phillies lineup for tonight. Uh, I'll tell you what that's going to look like as they face off against the Padres. We'll do birthdays. We'll do movies. We've got a lot of stuff in store for you in this final segment, so don't go anywhere. He is Tone Shields. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's talk about Razor technology and how about cybersecurity because protecting data is security imperative for businesses of all sizes. Choose a partner like Razor Technology with expertise in the latest threats and proactive tools to lock down every endpoint with a zero-trust approach that makes certain only authorized users can gain access to your systems. Razor delivers enterprise-wide insight into every component of a security plan across identity, devices, information, apps, and infrastructure with threat-prioritized recommendations. They design, deploy, manage, and monitor security solutions that enable modern business to safely communicate, collaborate, and thrive in the modern marketplace. Whether they're working in person or remotely or internal infrastructure or in the cloud and in every possible hybrid arrangement, choose Razor Technology to protect your digital assets, establish an organization-wide security posture, enforce safe practices for identity and access management, and secure hybrid and remote workforces. Call Razor Technology today at 866 797-3282, 797-3282, or visit them online at razor-tech.com. That's razor-tech.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Back, final segment of the show. He's Tone. I'm Rob. Uh, Tone in for Gunner. Gunner will be back on Monday. Hope you guys are having a great Friday out there. All right. Uh, let me give you the lineup for the Phillies and the Padres. 6.05 start tonight, Tone. They play a day-night doubleheader tomorrow, a 105-705. And then, of course, on uh, on Sunday, the finale. All right. Uh, Schwarber leads off in left field. Turner at shortstop, bats second. Nick Castellanos bats third in right. Bryce Harper continues to DH. He is not at first base. JT Real Muto will catch uh, and bat fifth. Bryson Stott will bat sixth and play se- uh, second base. Alec Bohm will hit seventh and play third. Derek Hall gets the start at first base. He will bat eighth. Batting ninth in center field is Brandon Marsh. They will be going against you, Darvish. It'll be uh, Christopher Sanchez on the, fill- on the mound for the Phils. You Darvish on the mound for the Padres. So Schwarber, Turner, Castellanos, Harper, Real Muto, Stott, Bohm, Hall, Marsh for the lefty Christopher Sanchez going against Hugh Darvish. All right, so that's the uh, lineup. No, not at first base yet. We had Scott Lauber on a little bit earlier talking about Harper, and he said it probably wouldn't be this series. It sounds like they're maybe gearing up for Tuesday. Uh, they have an off day Monday, but they're gearing up for Tuesday maybe for him to play first base. We'll see. And none of the new guys – Rojas or Ellis who were brought up in the lineup today. They would, they would be available, I guess, to either pinch hit or for defensive purposes. Uh, so there's that from a Phillies perspective. We mentioned earlier, the 24 schedule is out. They will be playing two games against the Mets in London, uh, June 8th and 9th in London. I don't, is that, I got to tell you, that does nothing for me. Like I would like, would you want to fly over to London to watch a, a baseball game? No, no, but apparently the Phillies do have a, a decent following in London. So, yeah, um, there, yeah there, there, there's a there's a whole Twitter page dedicated to Phillies fans in the UK. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like we talked, like like we spoke about earlier, man, the MLB has to do a better job at marketing its stars, marketing its product. It's yeah. I, the the game. The game is an American pastime. It's it's one of the it's one of the oldest sports, you know, in our country. You know that you know, that people love, love and adore, but they have to find a way to make it more appealing to the youth. You know, a lot of these kids now, they want to play basketball. They want to play yeah. football. You know, they want to, you know, the one thing I will say the MLB has over everybody else are those contracts, baby. Yeah, so, man. I'll be, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, if and when I have kids, listen, we're starting you off on the, uh, yeah. on, we're starting Be- you off baseball. on baseball, soccer, yeah. basketball, yep. football is the last one. Okay. I hear you. I hear you on that. 
<laughs> All right, let's uh, let's do some birthdays. Let's do some birthdays, and then I got a couple other things I want to I want to throw your way here. All right, we'll start. Conor McGregor, uh, MMA fame, is thirty five years old today. Um, Gerald Ford, who is our nation's thirty eighth president, uh, was born on this day in nineteen thirteen. Actress, game show host Jane Lynch is sixty three years old today. Dan Reynolds, who is the lead singer of Imagine Dragons, is 36 years old today. The actor Harry Dean Stanton, who was in a lot of, lot of big-time movies over the years, was born on this day in 1926. The singer Woody Guthrie was born on this day in 1912. Ingmar, Ingmar, Ingmar Bergman, who was a great uh, director-producer back in his day uh, from Sweden originally, but did some unbelievable work, was born on this day in 1918. Uh, Matthew Fox, actor, he was in Lost in uh, a party of five, is 57 years old. William Hanna was born on this day in 1910, part of Hanna and, and Barbera. I love uh, their cartoons. I the love their classics. cartoons. Classics. Yeah, just classics. Rosie Greer, the great football player, then turned actor who went to Penn State, actually, was born on this day. Uh, actually, he's 91 years old. Rosie, Rosie's still with us, so he's 91 years old. Uh, Darrell Rivas. Revis Island is 38 years old today. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley, the actor, you may remember he played Kelly Leak in the Bad News Bears. He's 62 today. Uh, Tim Hudson, former Brave, former Oakland A pitcher, is 48 years old today. Any any birthdays I'm overlooking that catch your eye, Tone? So not, we'll go to I, have, uh, <clears throat> I have Lonnie Love, a comedian. She's funny. She's, yeah, she's, she's very funny. I, th I think she was on that show, uh, the, the the talk. Okay. So, no, no, is it the talk or is it um, I, I can't remember which which talk show it is, but yeah. it's a it was a daytime talk show. Lonnie okay. Love. Uh, who else I have? I have Tamika Harris, R&B singer, also known as Tiny Harris. She's she, she's married to Ti. She also was a part of uh, okay. the, uh, the um the nineties R&B group Escape. Yeah. Um, reality show though still. Yep. I have uh, Roger Clark, a TV actor. Uh, who else do I have here? I have uh, Elena Gant, reality star. Did you say her already? No. Oh, no. Okay. This, uh, let's be honest. This isn't this isn't really a good day for birthdays. We'll, we'll, we'll keep moving. Yeah, let's go to movies. You, 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 you took all the good ones. If I'm I know. Uh, that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> X Men. Alexis Sky. On... Alexis Sky, a, a, a okay. model, and I believe I believe she's also a a musician as well. So. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, so uh, X Men in 2000, Blair Witch Project 1999, Indian in the Cupboard uh, 1995, uh, 2017, uh, War of the Planet, War for the Planet of the Apes, uh, 2006, Little Man. Uh, and that's there was it's not the greatest movie, uh, day either, frankly. Okay, so <clears throat> anyone you like. On this day, July 14th. All right. I have <clears throat> let me make sure I got this correct. The Sorcerer's Apprentice, 2010. Okay. It's a good one. I have Muppets from Space oh, in geez. 1999. Right. <laughs> one of your favorites. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I have uh where are we? What else do I have? I have <clears throat> Wish Upon from 2017. Okay. I have You Me and Dupree. 2006. Uh, let me make sure I got these all right as well. I have <clears throat> Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. I believe that came out as well, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. 
All right, good ones. Good ones so, right there. Um, yeah. yeah that's good. I believe. So, uh, yeah. All not right, that, you, not that bad, but, you know, you, not, not that great. Not great, no. Uh, all right, you pointed this out during our show meeting, and I think it's, uh, it, it's of interest. So Jalen Carter obviously comes here with a, with a sketchy reputation off the field. Uh, there was, you know, obviously the tragic car accident uh, that happened. There was some, you know, other, other teams that took him off their draft board because they didn't love some of his habits and practice and all that kind of stuff. So there was, you know, with the talent came a lot of questions. But you, you've had a pretty interesting story on him uh, that kind of shows you another side of him. Yeah, you know, I was on Twitter today and a story has been circulating about, you know, how much of a teammate Jalen Carter is. You know, again, like you said, he gets a bad rap. And, you know, I don't know if the story came out in light of, you know, the accusations. Well, not accusations, but in light of the, the court case that's pending against him. But nonetheless, the story is, you know, last season at Georgia – Jalen Carter had a teammate who was a walk-on. His name was Weston Wallace. And, West, you know, as a walk-on, you don't have access to the same privileges as the scholarship kids do. You know, those guys um, have, you know, extra funds. You know, they have access to different meals, you know, that you know that he doesn't have access to. And I've been, you know, you know, we've been to college. You know, college is not for the faint of heart in terms of, you know, I've been a broke college student. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 know, what that, I know what that's like. Yep. You know, there's been times where, I had a friend put me on their meal, you know, just so I can get yeah. in, you know, get, you know, get into the cafe, you know, things yeah. like that. So Jalen Carter, uh, basically, um, his friend Weston Wallace, is a, his teammate, who was a walk-on. He, Jalen Carter, used his own scholarship money to make sure Weston Wallace had access to the same meals that the scholarship kids got. So mm-hmm. he, every single day that se- during that season, he paid for his lunch. And, you know, it just, you know, it, it just speaks to the type of guy he is, the type of human he is, right? Um, the type of teammate he is, um, you know, all for one and one for all, you know what I mean? So um, I got a lot of respect for him in that regard. And, you know, let's be honest, he can use the good publicity, um, yeah. you know, all, 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 all things considered. But I think he's, I think so far, he's done a good job keeping his nose clean. And, you know, he's, he's, he's done a really good job just making sure the only way you hear his name is either for, for football reasons or because of obviously what happened. Um, yeah. The, the, what would tragically happen right. Um, right, right after they won the national championship game. But again, all he has to do is just keep his, keep his head down, rock, you know, roll with your teammates. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere alone. And I'm pretty sure big Dom has already sat him down many a times prepping him for what's to come. So, yeah. yeah. No, well, well said. I mean, look, if, if there's a, a team that can take him in, and show them what, you know, what it's like to, to grow up and, and be in a good culture and be a good teammate. It's this team, you know, I, I, I not only with big Dom, but with the teammates that are around him. And, you know, I, I know some people look at it and say, Oh, the Georgia thing worries me. He's, he's with some of his guys who he was maybe, you know, running with in college. I, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think Jordan Davis is that kind of guy. I don't think that Kobe Dean's that kind of guy. I, I, I've never heard anything bad about Nolan Smith or Keely Ringo. So anyway, I, I think that, will be a positive because there's a comfort level with those guys, a trust, just a camaraderie that I think will help them. But I know that the older guys won't hesitate to step in there. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham Graham, on that side of the ball, the other side, you know, we know the guys, Kelsey and Bradbury, they'll all step in there and and be like, dude, like you either, you got to get more at practice or, or Hey, good job or, or whatever. And I think the coaches look and I, he also knows, Mm-hmm. He knows he comes in with a with a little bit of a you know a, a check mark there with him, and I think he'll be fine. Yeah, Tracy Rocker JM says he's the defensive line yeah. coach. And another thing too, 
he isn't walking into a situation where it's a bad team. Like you said, he's he, he right. walking into a, he's in a situation where he's surrounded by veterans who have done it at the highest level, yep. who have won at the highest level, yep. and who are well-respected at their craft. Now, if he walked into a situation like the Bears, which is why I feel like they traded back because they know they don't have the infrastructure to right. really groom a guy like that. Right? Exactly they're, right. They're, you know, they're still building a culture. He didn't yeah. walk into a losing situation where guys are just doing in, you know anything to no. you know, get attention. Right? He, he he's in a situation yep. where we're trying to win here. Absolutely. You know, right. we're about winning. That's all we care about. Yep. And if and, and if you're not contributing towards that, now we consider you a liability, and yep. no one and, and no one is above the fray. And I love. The yep. precedent that Jalen Hurts has set, no at doubt, that position. So yep. he's in a great he's, he's in a great situation, and th- things can only improve from here. Yep. All right. Well, great job today, man. I hope you had fun. And it was good work. It was exciting. It was exciting. Wearing both hats is not easy. easy. Yeah. Nice work out of you. Have a great weekend, Tone. Have a great weekend, everybody in the chat section. We appreciate you. Everybody streaming. Everybody listening. All right. Don't go anywhere. National Football Show coming your way with Dan Cilio and uh, Derek will be back Monday. We will see you guys then. Everybody have a great weekend. Be safe. Talk to you soon. Peace out. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.